No, you just got fed with tuna. What am I going to do if you don't eat your regular food, hmm? A great cat like myself will only accept the best. Sparkler Podcast. This time we're going to talk about video games. Uh, you might have noticed the little audio clip that just finished. That's our current audio drama, Cat Lover's Circumstances. And uh, if you stick around to the end of the podcast, you'll get to hear a little more. As you might know, we have an audio department at Sparkler. We've done two fully voiced audio dramas, and that was a clip from the current one, Cat Lover's Circumstances, which is about a girl named Misaki who is extremely socially anxious and has an interesting psychic power, which she mostly uses to try and fail to solve her friend's problems. If you like what you hear, you can listen to the rest of it on the Sparkler site. Just click under audio. So let's start talking about video games. Uh, we'll do a very, very quick intro of the editors. The editors Except for you, and, the staff. Yeah, and and what we like. So my name's Jill Astley. I'm the Sparkler finance person. And I started gaming a million years ago. So I've done a lot of stuff from when it was old blocks moving around on the screen. <laughs> Uh, right now, I play mostly RPGs, casual games, and visual novel Otome games. Uh, Jill plays all of the Otome visual novel <laughs> games. Let's be clear. If Japan has put out an Otome game, Jill probably owns it and has played all the rooms. <laughs> not all of them. I'm, I'm not as good anymore. There's too many. Okay. <laughs> all right. She still played, like, all of the games, if not 100% completion on every game. She is... The probably the hardest core of visual novel people in the English language. <laughs> At least I've never met anyone that was as hardcore. <laughs> there might, it might be. There might be someone. I'm sure in Japan there's a few. But. Oh yeah, like in the English speaking world. Yes, because you're fluent in Japanese as well. So with yeah. you know, you order them from Japan, you have them shipped over the ocean, and you play all of them. That's right. <laughs> Dedication. <laughs> I'm Rebecca Scoble. I am the head of audio at Chromatic Press, and I have... Oh, God. I'm, like, a really, like, weird, eclectic gamer. I play a lot of things. Um, obviously, like, I play the big-budget RPGs, and I play the big-budget, like, like the ones everyone plays, like Portal and, and that sort of thing. I, I play some uh, FPSs with friends online, like, once a week. I love weird, casual games. I play a lot of English-language like otome games and otome-ish games by like indie people i like hard platformers i don't know man i like a lot of things yeah pick up plays everything <laughs> i'm lan centaur i'm the prose editor at sparkler i mostly play two types of games visual novels and strategy uh, specifically like strategy games that have good stories to them so usually strategy rpgs i used to play rpgs a lot when i was younger and then i got really tired of grinding i just wanted fight plot fight plot i hate villagers i want this to be like on the record, anytime I have to go into a village and talk to anyone, I want to turn off the computer. See, I love that. Like, oh my god, I can't stand... Like, particularly when you got to talk to them twice to get the information, it's just like, I have a real job that I have to do, and like, I'm taking a, I'm taking time off of my job to have fun. Why am I talking to imaginary people who won't tell me what I need to know? Yeah, but, so, but he needs 36 phoenix feathers from the phoenix forest. Oh, mini games, like, like mini quests? No, all that, like... 
I got tired of all the in-between stuff and I, I of RPGs. I just want to fight, and then I want more of the plot, and then I want to fight again and get more of the plot. And the original Ark the Lad game got me started on that, mm. because that was a, like a strategy RPG, and I was like, oh my god, it's all the stuff I like about RPGs, but without all the bullshit. <laughs> and then I realized it was a genre, so... Mm. I'm the resident Fire Emblem fanatic because that's strategy. That's like the best strategy RPG games out there. <laughs> oh, also, um, I have a real problem with Puzzle and Dragons, which is a casual game from Japan that I think is the most downloaded casual game in Japan. Really? But it's available in English, and I think they had something like 7 million downloads or something. But Jen, Jen Lee Quick, the creator of Offbeat, mentioned it casually at some point. I was like, oh, that sounds fun. I'll download it. Don't download it. It kind of ruins your life, so... <laughs> I but the big question much. is, are any of us playing that weird cat simulator? Me? No. <laughs> Chill. Neko Atsume, collecting cats. That Somebody is the name Twitter. of the game, and that is the object of the game. Somebody on Twitter explained that it's a simulator for having a filthy yard and you attract animals with garbage. <laughs> <laughs> well, mostly you attract them with like actual cat toys and cat beds and stuff. And then once in a while, they'll give you garbage as treasure. <laughs> Isn't it like old tea bags and like halves of animals yep. and shit? Yep. All right. So pretty uh, accurate. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. I shouldn't judge, but I judge a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, well, all I know is that, that, that one thing I like about it is that it's really quick. So all you need is like five minutes whenever you want. And that's all you can because there's a limited amount that you can do. So it's not one of those ones where you can get sucked in a lot. It's just nice to okay. like open it up sometimes and see some cute cats playing and then refill your food and that's it. Okay. Yeah. I guess I can see the appeal to something that only takes a few minutes a day. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like a, the Tamagotchi thing. Yeah. Except Tamagotchi was really demanding. <laughs> yeah. So whereas these cats, they won't die. They'll just not show up. <laughs> when we, I'm sorry. We're going way back. If, for people who don't know what Tamagotchi or Tamagotchi was, um, it was basically this little egg-shaped keychain that uh, came out in Japan. And they brought them over into like America. I think Canada probably had it as well. Mm-hmm. I would say sort of in the mid-90s. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. And you basically had to take care of it. It was like a, it had a little screen in it and it had this creature um, in it. And it started as a baby and it would sort of grow up over time. And you would have to do things like feed it twice a day and clean its poop. And, you know, it was like a little animal raising sim, but like very, very basic. It was like a little, one of those little green screens with gray boxes on it, you know, except it was super demanding. And my little brother got one and he was very young because this was like really big among like elementary and middle school kids. And he like had me babysit because he's like, I really need to take a nap and the Tamagotchi won't shut up because it would like make noise. <laughs> and it was just, I was like, I have to spend so much time paying attention to this stupid thing. And it would beep and, and it would die if you didn't do it. Yeah, it was <laughs> one of these early Sims that was kind of sadomasochistic. Mm-hmm. And I think it launched a lot of this idea in the West of the Sims and stuff like right. uh, little simulators. Mm-hmm. And it was huge yeah. for well, like two like, years. Yeah. More like like Farmville and shit. Yeah, and yeah like, exactly. So the like, cat game sounds like that too. See, I remember thinking Tamagotchis, Tamagotchis were the dumbest thing in the world when I was mm. a kid because I was like, so it's like all the bad parts about having a pet and none of the parts the where they're parts. cute and, yeah, they, and fuzzy they, and they sit you on know. your lap and stuff. Yeah. And yet I did spend a week playing some fucking farm game. Like, <laughs> and then I just had to like delete it from my computer in disgust because like, I was just like watching yeah. the, the cabbages grow and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> what have I done with my life? I know. It's terrible. Games, games are, are weird. And then like to think about how integrated uh, games are into our lives now with, technology being everywhere and us having smartphones and being connected to the internet just to think about how subtly 
these things broke through into our lives. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, something like that. If if you were pitching it around a boardroom table, yeah, it wouldn't sound who, good. Yeah, it'd be like, who's going to put work into this thing that doesn't have any payoff? Mm-hmm. Just they to, do, but they do. It's like if you have a very simple instruction for people, and there's like some kind of metaphysical reward where it's like, oh, it didn't die. I'm so happy in myself, or something where you can, you know, you and your friends all agree to do it together. It tapped into, I don't know, a nurturing tendency. I don't really know what it was, but know. very simple directions. People follow it, and then they get an immediate, mm-hmm. if incredibly yeah, it's, it's vague. That, well, and then once it gets yeah. popular enough, it's just it's. It was like an early version of viral, right? Like, Mm -hmm. everybody just wanted it, and it was crazy. It was, like, pre-Beanie Babies, but kind of similar. And they were really hard to get, and yeah. Yeah. And it's for that reason that I personally, I don't play anything unless I'm really having fun. With the exception of Puzzle and Dragons, which is, like, a legit addiction. But, I mean, (laughs) I I have fun with it, but I play it too much, even though it's it's fun. Like, it's, like, (laughs) it's supposed to take up five minutes, and then I spend way too long they even have notes being like please do not play this game for more than an hour <laughs> filthy children go take a shower and go and i'm like shut go up man sometimes it's like i got one more puzzle because it's basically an rpg that's all puzzle fights so it's just like you puzzle play puzzles to hit dragons hmm. like kind of hmm. and you have little monsters on your team and you know it's kind of like a puzzle rpg similar to strategy which is why it appeals to me hmm. but other than that like there are a lot of games where you know, they have difficulty levels, you know, easy, blah, blah, blah. And I always pick what is easiest, what is simplest. Like, I only want to play something that is maximized fun for me because it is so easy to get sucked into these casual games where it's like, why am I even doing this mm-hmm. other than to distract myself? And yeah. then there are sometimes there are better ways to distract yourself, like reading blogs or whatever. I mean, that's a choice for every individual person. But personally, to me, I found games, you know, a number of years ago had reached that point where I'm like, why am I playing this if it feels like a chore? Mm-hmm. And I like that these days there are a lot of options there. It used to be that you got one game and it was probably hard, like Nintendo style. <laughs> they call it Nintendo hard. It's a specific kind of difficult. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was like a challenge and the kids would band together and somebody knew a secret and you'd bring your friends over and you'd all do it together. But now they have things like if you're bad, all of a sudden the game gets easier. Mm-hmm. Like there's some Mario games that are like, <laughs> okay, we put you on easy mode because you were so bad. <laughs> Or, or it makes fun of you. Game facts. Like, game facts, yeah. Like, yeah. there's so many ways to, to do it because there's so many options of games out there that they have more customizability. And I really like that because I think that that's the way that it sort of should be. So games can be kind of what people want. Because some people really do want a challenge. They want something mm-hmm. that takes a lot of focus, a lot of work. They want to feel accomplished. Maybe they feel like, you know, that sense of accomplishment is really important to them. That gives them mm-hmm. sort of the, I don't know, dopamine hit or something mm-hmm. that they need. <laughs> Particularly if, I mean, this is really generalization, but there's some people that feel like they don't have a lot of control in their lives and having a control over something like this might For be sure. really rewarding to them. Yeah. Or you can be like me and be like, I have 10 minutes. This better be yeah, fun right. or I'm out. <laughs> or me that's so. like, I have no illusions about how good I am at, you know, hand-eye control or whatever. I just want a good story and I want to be able to see the whole story. So Hence visual novels. <laughs> visual novels and easy mode. In Bioware games. Yep. I love easy mode, man. Oh, I that's the thing though. I have that thing where like turning it down just feels like a kick to the soul. Like, what is wrong with me? I'm a failure. Usually I start on normal and then if I die more than twice on one fight, then I'll turn it down. And it's like, well, whatever. I guess it depends. Like, I, I don't like doing easy for strategy games the first time I play. Mm. Well, well I mean, that's the Fire Emblem masochist in you because you're used to having people, like, die forever and things like that. <laughs> so to that, to you, it's, like, too easy. Yeah, but that's also kind of story-based. I like having that stress where it's, like, if they die, they're gone and I have to deal with death. I don't know, because it is very engrossing. <laughs> yeah. Stress in games. I don't know. I can't wait to talk about Fire Emblem a little bit later because a lot <laughs> since well since Fire Emblem Awakening came out Fire Emblem all of a sudden is really big because yeah. it kind of 
wasn't ever that big in the West. It was in Japan, mm-hmm. but that really brought it up. And so, and well, I let's actually talk about, like, a- well, let's talk about RPGs then. Um, okay. Yeah. We can start, start with strategy RPGs. So yeah, strategy RPGs are the fire emblem. If you've ever played them, some of the more extreme ones are things like, uh, Oh, Disgaea. Disgaea. Yeah. <laughs> you call that tactics <laughs> porn. That is like the tech, the, the wet dream of all tacticians. Cause there's so many levels. It's like ridiculous yeah. Yeah. to the point where I was like, this is too much for me. <laughs> Too many levels. Yeah, I, well, I, wanna... I, w- I woke up, what, 10 or 20 levels into leveling one of my weapons, and I was like, if yeah. I go back to the main story now, I have no idea what's going on. I'm going to stop yeah. this game, and I never went back. <laughs> yeah, it, same here. We played the first disc guy, and we were like, that's too much. Mm-hmm. Most people know what an RPG or role-playing game is, for anybody who might not know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, you're, um, if you don't know that and you're listening to this, then we're glad we found you. Come be a nerd. <laughs> we'll help yeah. you. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. So you, uh, they fall into two big categories. One is JRPGs, which is kind of the the short term for you know Japanese RPGs, which are kind of the fire Final Fantasy style games. Mm-hmm. Final yeah. Fantasy is obviously one of the giant the big sword, ones. spiky, interesting colored hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually, usually the armor is like weird ass ribbons that you tied <laughs> onto yourself. Yeah, it tends to be kind of anime looking. Yeah. And it yeah. used like, to be that JRPGs were less. A strategy or action i don't know or they're more turn-based they, yeah, yeah they, they used, used to be to more be. turn-based and more linear that was the yeah. the generalization that people had about them western rpgs everyone's wearing brown and <laughs> the world is brown <laughs> the world is brown sometimes there's like some blood but mostly brown <laughs> no western rpgs actually yeah i mean rpg is um it can cover different types too, because there's like straight RPGs, like turn-based. Then there's action RPGs. There's um, strategy RPGs, and then there's ones that sound like RPGs. Like they used to call King's Quest RPG, but it's not. Those really. are like adventure games. It's just yeah. like its own, own genre. So when when we say Western RPGs, we mean like Dragon Age and uh, Mass Effect, Mass Effect, and uh, Skyrim. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's the same idea where you're kind of you're a character and you're playing through this epic storyline, but first of all they are not anime looking. They have, you know, they're kind of realistic, I guess you would say, mm-hmm. kind of as, as realistic as the technology allows and yeah. also like, you know, allowing for like a higher proportion of like muscly, brown-haired, stubbly dudes than there would be yeah. in uh, other yeah. situations. Like instead of like pretty boys and cat girls, it's like a guy with a five o'clock shadow and a strong jaw and some lady elf. There's a lot more of Western canon fantasy in there, so you'll see mm-hmm. more like influence of Lord of the Rings in yeah. those as opposed to um, manga yeah. fantasy, which is <laughs> I mean, they, Final Fantasy does elvish kind of stuff, but they're more like animal people. Mm-hmm. They have a little bit more of that. Or like weird little creatures, like Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles had a lot of these kind of like dumpy little guys running around. Yeah, and like Jill said, action RPGs, some of them, it's like you're physically push the button and the sword hits the guy yeah you know or <laughs> turn-based is like you're all lined up each of you gets to decide right. i'm gonna cast this spell and i'm gonna do this blah 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 you all hit each other and then it's like next next command next it's turn. yeah next turn that's what strategy rpgs are like entirely by the way but they, strategy, they're like it's board. more like on a on, it looks like it's on a chessboard or something right so yeah. you can move different places whereas a traditional rpg you just be lined up facing each other and it's just like turns there's yeah. no like i'm gonna move here to be here you know yeah. Yeah, they do the, like the whooshy swirl thing and it's like special right. music. Speaking of which, yeah. did you guys hear? What, Final Fantasy Seven? Yeah. Yeah. We all heard, we They're all saw, we all Final saw Fantasy that. VII. Yeah. And and they that that oh god, that trailer was such nonsense. Like whoever that voice I, I like oh, the I voice know. Was I was like, like they got one of those guys the with like such voice. gravelly voiceover like, voice. They do truck ads. 
Yeah, and then they gave him, like, this absolute nonsense to say. <laughs> and, like, honestly, that girl, like, because they, they, it was mostly just scenery. Mm-hmm. And then there was, like, a little girl on a slide. And she was not that great animated, mm. considering she was, like, the only person you saw, like, their face. Yeah. Like, she looked kind of Uncanny Valley for a minute there. Like, her mm-hmm. skin texture was great, but she was a little bit, like weird mm-hmm. and then of course it's like the back of cloud a, a shot of cloud's ass and everyone flips the fuck out yeah. and it's yeah like- so for, again for the younger or less geeky audiences final fantasy 7 was widely considered to be like basically the most important JRPG. game in the series yeah, yeah. and basically uh, yeah I, I think you could say the most important jrpg at least in a western context mm-hmm. but even in japan even in japan huge. it was huge i mean yeah. and it was yeah it was the game that got me seriously into yeah games. and there's a it lot of a debates lot of on why and whether it's really as good as people say and it's not really a, i don't feel like it's really about that it's more people know about it it somehow got was publicized more it was the first 3D RPG that was over here and widely. Yeah, it had like 3D cinematics. Yeah, you know, like, no matter like how bad up. they look now, at the time yeah. they were pretty. Yeah. yeah, it was, and they used to have ads for it on like American TV, which mm. is like unheard of for JRPGs, mm-hmm. and still yeah. is kind of unheard. And that was why I wanted to play it because they showed yeah. the ads on TV, and I'm like, is that like a fantasy novel or one of my exactly. anime that I could play? Holy yeah. shit! Yeah, and you know, so it was it's interesting because. This makes me think, like, I don't know if I saw it on TV, but actually at the time I was working at a comic book store, but I didn't, I wasn't gaming at the time, but that was one of the few ones that I knew about and had heard about, and the designs were interesting, as opposed to, like, there might be lots of games that, you know, real hardcore gamers at the time knew about and they thought it was better, but this is the one that I heard about. And I think for a lot of women, especially, because back then, there weren't as many female geek uh, forums. You know, it was harder to find out information, so ads or... When you hear about something through a normal means like TV or some magazine or like I saw Final Fantasy X advertised in the subway and that's how I knew about it. Yeah, because like you said, women girl geek circles weren't nearly as much of a thing back in the 90s. And it was harder to find them even if they existed. Well, I mean, geekery was smaller back then, too, but it was definitely slanted more male mm-hmm. back then. And a lot of things that have changed that besides, like, some of the stuff breaking of the mainstream and so it hit women, like you said, mm-hmm. in these kind of mainstream channels was also things like manga, which, like, got a lot of yeah. girl geeks kind of into that stuff because manga, you know, shoujo caters to women in a way that mm-hmm. Western geek media almost never did. Well, and even media that is not strictly for, you know, it's not stri- shoujo. Final Fantasy, you see the guys there and, like, they're hot. I thought Cloud was incredibly cute. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I want to play boy. a game with that cute guy in there. And he looks cool, you know, he's riding a bike, blah, blah. Yeah, he had a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whereas if I, had oh, seen, man. if I had seen an ad for uh, Gears of War or whatever, I'm like, eh, grizzled old guy running around with a big machine gun? No. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's also, again, like, one of these aesthetic differences between JRPGs and Western RPGs, even now, is you have this, especially if you're talking like we mix in first person shooters or just the Western game industry in general, there's like a white guy with a square jaw and stubble mm-hmm. with like a sawed off shotgun and he's like the hero or a sword, depending on, you know, yeah. <laughs> and he's like the hero in like 75% of games, mm-hmm. like literally it's just that guy and that doesn't appeal to women almost at all. Sometimes it does, I'm not going to say like it never does, but it's clearly a stand-in as a power fantasy for men mm-hmm. and so women are like i don't relate to that and i may or may not find that hot or, or mm-hmm. whatever as opposed to jrpgs that tend to have more androgynous characters you know a lot of and anime and manga <laughs> yeah there's more color <laughs> they, they'll have younger characters they'll have 
pretty boys. They'll have tough girls. They'll mm-hmm. have, you know, they'll they'll mix it up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to say that anime and manga doesn't have like sexism issues because of course it does. But they do have women doing more stuff mm-hmm. in anime and manga, even if it's just because they're like, oh, I want to look at this pretty girl or this cute girl or whatever doing stuff. She's still doing stuff mm-hmm. in a way as opposed to her always following this guy with the square jaw mm-hmm. because he'll protect her from the zombies or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Final Fantasy VII was a really important in the evolution of gaming. Mm-hmm. And it was a really excellent RPG. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, other than the, I'm sorry, fuck that writing. golden chocobo. I'm and, sorry. Yeah, well, that's a side quest. Don't I know, but I gotta do that. To. I did though. <laughs> Actually, I saw one comment that was like, "Yes, now I get to breed chocobos again." <laughs> what? Oh well, that person is like the worst. They probably like yeah. Leonardo the best out of the Ninja but, Turtles, and well, they probably <laughs> love eating oatmeal for breakfast. <laughs> Sorry. Well, also, Final Fantasy VII came out in like 1997, and it's technically yeah. never been remade, which is weird. But they did actually like. I feel like they could actually do. It's not like I mean, Ultimate is actually pretty bad for this, considering they're like static sprites on a static background most of the time. They re-release stuff like every two years if it does yeah. well for like the newest console or the newest whatever. So, and Final Fantasy VII because it was still considered so important people and it was on the place the original playstation mm-hmm. that people would keep their versions or i think there might have been a pc version at some point there was, I, I don't think that. it worked as well though yeah. yeah yeah i played the pc version i didn't have a, a console at that so point. you still need it like it wasn't really good at getting a new audience this was like people who had been playing it in the 90s and you know playstation 2s were back compatible so you could still play PlayStation, right yeah. Weren't they? yes right. yeah so basically through the evolution of the playstation and the playstation 2 you could play final fantasy 7 but since playstation 3 it's been which is not back compatible it's been mm-hmm. harder to play final fantasy 7 and with all these other games being remade the fact that it hadn't was kind of a big deal they did a bunch of spin-offs of it mm-hmm. But they never really redid it, which yeah. I really thought they had at this point. So when this came out, I'm like, didn't they do this eight years ago? But it's just proof of how little I care about Square Enix these days. <laughs> because yeah. I don't, I think they jumped the shark as soon as they combined. But anyway, that's a rant for another no, time. It's true. It's true. They lost it, me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Final Fantasies since 10 have been pretty bad. So, but 7, everyone, almost everyone will agree, even though a lot of them are like, I like Final Fantasy 6 better. I think 10 yeah. is better. 7 was probably the most important. So the fact that it's coming back now is a big deal, even if mm-hmm. you, if, even if that's not your favorite Final Fantasy. At least most people liked it. And it returning, we're going to see how much of that was story, how much of it was timing in terms of why. Well, yeah, it, you know, it'll be interesting to see if how much they changed because a lot of the stuff is there. It did not really make that much sense or was that coherent. Yeah. But, and you some know, of it was a translation. But also some of the, the scenes, I don't know how they'll do it in a more realistic setting. Like the cross-dressing scene... That might be extra excellent now that they like, Well, it depends on how, right? It could be really good. It could be bad. Yeah, of course. It could be transphobic. Yeah, but, or, you know, rapey, because they were kind of chasing yeah. after you and you had to fight them off if you yeah. got the... Oh, yeah. See, I never got good enough. It was always the... Like, I, I think whoever I got just punched him in the mouth. Like, you weren't actually fighting him, but... Yeah, if, you're, if your dress as Cloud is beautiful enough, you end up in a kind of... Well, you know, you even if it's not, you end up in, like, a weird, creepy situation where they're, like, mm-hmm. there's, like, dudes coming at you. and I mean, that could be glossed over pretty easily but i don't know if they will like yeah i don't know okay i don't remember that much so it didn't but again my radar wasn't the same when i was 16 yeah and honestly like i think a big part of this as much as a lot of the plot was kind of (laughs) nonsensey the fact i mean it was like i still don't even really understand it 
even though the plot had some kind of nonsensy elements to it, it was a plot that actually had real emotional content mm-hmm. that made people yeah. feel things that a lot of video games had not made them feel before. Yes. And I think part of that was that it was more cinematic than a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Like, because, I mean, obviously, like, some of the older Final Fantasy, some of the older RPGs, a fair number of them had plots to them and they had emotional content. But mm-hmm. I think the fact that Final Fantasy VII was the first one that was able to kind of shoot it like a movie, have yeah. cut, yeah. have cutscenes, have a real score. I mean, they were doing MIDI music before then and had a lot of, like, technological advances. But, like, the fact that they actually went for this kind of dark tone during a lot of it was part of what really affected people. And that was part of what really got, got me about it was that it was it was why I wanted to play it because I was like, I, this is weird and cool and dark. Mm-hmm. This isn't Mario. This is, like, it's a real story and weird and dark and depressing and scary things are going to happen in it. And mm-hmm. to little, like, 15-year-old me, that was really cool, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the movie aspect's a good point, because, like, Final Fantasy's 2 and 3 over here, which were actually 4 and 6, had some pretty dark stuff, had a lot mm-hmm. of had a lot of emotional components, but you're right in that the fact that they were shot like a movie with those CG cutscenes kind yeah. of gave it a new element. And then, again, huge advertising campaign broken in the mainstream, so... Not that Final Fantasy 2 and 3, or 4 and 6, I redefine it, were big, but they weren't really reaching outside of the regular geeks. And then, like, when Final Fantasy 10 came out, actually, that was when I first got my, got, like, a PlayStation 2 of my own, because I hadn't mm-hmm. really had a console Me before too. then. Me too, yeah. Yeah. And I got it over, like, Christmas break, and I just quit my terrible retail job. My sisters were both on break, and the two of them actually watched me play, like, that entire game over, mm-hmm. over this uh, vacation. I'd offer Sharon the controller, and she didn't even want to play. Mm-hmm. Just to watch. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I think ten is also the sort of the spiritual successor to seven. Eight and well, eight was not a good Final Fantasy, but we're not gonna go into that. And nine was a little bit cutesier. I mean it was dark, but yeah, it went was more like a dark tribute. as hell, yeah. yeah. Like I, I really liked nine, but I think it was kind of more of a nerd's Final Fantasy than yeah. like a mainstream Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. But ten was like that was also when they started getting the really, really excellent. Yeah, like they made generated. more advances. They did the motion capture. Even yeah, now it looks a bit funny. They oh, had yeah. voices for the first time, which for me yep. was huge. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, you know I've been I was replaying Ten recently because when it came out on the Vita, mm-hmm. and the voice acting is not very strong, and you kind <laughs> of realize that coming back to it. But at the time, I remember just being kind of blown away by it. Yeah, yes. it was better you know? than a lot of dubbed anime at the time. But oh by yeah, I mean it's still yeah. not bad. I still think Auron was better in the English version than the Japanese version. I never heard the Japanese version. Uh, Japanese version, actually, people complain about Titus or Titus, whatever, however you say it. But his voice in the English is very similar to his voice in Japanese. Like, he's a bit whiny. Yeah. And that's the way he is, you know? I yeah, know. I mean, I, you know, what's funny is also a lot of it is like the timing, mm-hmm. which which is one of those things you can't really get away from that easily in in uh, games because the way that the the text advances when you hit a button, it makes it feel stilted, so it doesn't feel like a conversation. So you're right. you're fighting against that too, no matter how good your actors are, and some of them were good, you know, like, but it was a little bit of a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah, I was talking about Final Fantasy X, too, because people were, you know, of course, talking about all their Final Fantasies, and I think it gets kind of a, like, in hardcore gaming, maybe I should instead say traditional gaming circles, like, heavily male-based, they often kind of diss Final Fantasy X as, you know, having a whiny protagonist and everything, and it's like, he was, somebody brought up the fact that he's actually very emotionally honest, like, he, yeah, he can be annoying, like, he's a teenager, but he doesn't hide his feelings, he shows whether he likes someone or he's mad he cries sometimes and yeah but i mean if somebody was brought up playing grizzle square jawed guy yes yeah, i can right? see why yeah. this is like a change you know you know mm-hmm. this is a good 
launching pad for us to probably say that as much as we love video games, traditionally the video game fandom, the branching fandom in the West has really bad misogyny problems and has for a long time. Mm -hmm. And as people probably noticed from Gamergate, now not to say that these people represent the majority of the gaming audience, because I don't think they do, especially these days. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I don't know if I want to say it started male, but it was very male for a very long time. And it built up these pockets of really horrible people who Mm -hmm. like hate women. They hate anybody who's like, doesn't think like them they're like well if you're a video if you're a gamer or you're not a gamer like they're they're very insular they don't believe in sort of they hate jocks or whatever like they hate anybody but themselves and themselves are kind of like i think they hate themselves too yeah i mean it's like the cliche is sort of like yeah the basement dwelling but even though they're very small like the really bad parts i feel like they've had a bigger influence than they should on the general you know like ign or whatever even those like i often complain about gamer you know before gamergate when people were actually like yeah i'm a gamer and i'm not a gamer you're not a gamer because blah 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 yeah the the section of games that you were allowed to play as a gamer got smaller and smaller and it felt like it happened when women started playing them like before it was like if you spent a lot of time playing games you were a gamer and that included any rpgs whatever and then people were like no no it has to be like action rpgs because those are harder blah you need to spend more time getting good at them something something yeah and now it feels like yeah now it feels like it's almost if you don't play fps then you're not a gamer yeah, FPS, you know? first-person shooters, are the biggest core... Like, that is probably the most male audience. Again, not that mm-hmm. women don't play it, but they are yeah. like, arguably the more masculine audience. And yeah, so of course they'd be like, you have to play this. Every fandom has its problems, and same thing with, like, Western superhero comics and stuff, and how they fought with manga, and how Western video games fight with JRPG fans or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just, gaming industry is humongous, and it's really big over here. It has its own dynamics separate from sort of the Japanese industry. Mm-hmm. And there have been some deep-seated misogyny issues. Yeah, what has all the problems of the STEM industry, misogyny yeah. or not having enough women in it, compounded with the video game fandom problems. Yeah, that's probably a good way to, to put it. It's compounding <laughs> a bunch of issues. And there are so many wonderful and horrifying essays you can read about women who refuse to play as a female character in mm. MMORPGs, like yeah. massive multiplayer online RPGs, because they, they get harassed or mm-hmm. they turn off their mic. They don't want anybody to hear they have a female voice so or that they don't the get... Xbox online, like the yeah. Halo and... Mm-hmm. Now, these things are changing, and a lot of the Gamergate garbage <laughs> uh, and the people who associate them... I don't, I don't know how anybody who actually believes in... You know, ethics and game journalism would want to keep the term gamer gay. Like, I don't know why at any point anyone would fight for that, except if you're now. Mature. If somebody actually says it, then I just turn it off. Like, you're either being you're too blind to accept it, and nothing I can say will change your mind, or you're being a troll, and I'm not going to talk to trolls. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it, it's become a filter, a very clear, obvious, dedicated filter. People are like, if you say this, we don't agree with this movement. This movement is garbage. Get away from it. So if you still cling to it, then yeah, they're, yeah, they're probably a deeper seated issue. It's nothing to do with whatever Gamergate claim that it was. Mm-hmm. We were just discussing, there's a lady in Concordia University who's doing her PhD on Gamergate mm-hmm. and how it was basically a cover for, for misogyny to mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, try and harass women online. And as we all know, a lot of women, especially ones who talk about feminist issues in any way, get a special kind of horrifying vitriol. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, it's very common now. It's, it's kind of an, an assumed thing that if you're a woman talking about feminism online, you're going to get a very specific kind of gender um, harassment. And that in video games, it was to the point where Anita Sarkeesian and Zoe Quinn were had to leave their houses because of very specific death threats because mm-hmm. they said, oh, my God, why does Mario always have to save it? Why does a girl always have to be saved in Mario? And it's like, I'm waiting outside your house with a knife kind of comments for saying things like this. I mean, it's just it's so pathetic. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like a word of warning that we talk about video games in here. But like as great as video games can be for women and stuff that tread carefully with some of these fandoms 
that they're sorting out some really big issues. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, you know, I think there's kind of the death throes that the misogyny yeah, is. you bring things to light and they writhe and hopefully then they die and go away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On that we should talk about note. something else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We could talk about the indie games industry, which yeah, in a lot of ways is kind that. of a cure to this, you know, because yeah. the thing is there are a lot of like really, really great indie publishers. The indie publisher can be like one person or three people or like a little tiny team a lot of the time. Yeah, not too many people can pull off a game on their own, but a lot of people can pull it off in like a team of like three people if you get like an artist and a coder and all that. Yeah, if it's a game that doesn't have really elaborate mechanics or animation in it, then Becca, why don't you talk about that a little? You're really into the indie gaming community. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I mean, I don't know what I should... Okay, there's this website called jaysgames.com. How do you And spell? J-A-Y-I-S-G-A-M-E-S. Okay. It's a big indie games aggregator. And they call themselves like a casual game aggregator, but they deal with pretty much any kind of indie game you could possibly want. And they have tags, and you can look up people who are currently writing text adventures. Like, there's this great little company called uh, Choice of Games. They do basically halfway between an RPG and a choose-your-own-adventure novel, uh, and they have, like, a romance one, and, like, a swashbuckling, like, Horatio Hornblower one, and, like, a vampire one, and they're basically, <laughs> like, really fun little novels, and they have this engine, and there's this, they let people use their engine, and there's a great one that's, like, where you're Guinevere, and you have to decide if you want to make out with uh, Lancelot or Arthur, and it's, like, yeah, like, there's, there's all sorts of, like, wonderful things, and then they have, like, idle games, like Cookie Clicker and uh, Candy Box and stuff, where you just, like, let it go in the on your uh, dash for a long time and like mm. you know play two minutes a day of these like weird ass little games and it just sort of runs in the background keeps you entertained when you're on a really long long deadline <laughs> and art games it'll be like a really simple little platformer or like adventure game but it'll go into something really really dark there's one that's like how are you going to spend your last day before the nuclear bomb that you know is going to hit hits and there's no way to stop it you just have to decide if you're going to die or like with your with your wife or with your daughter or by yourself in the lab or stuff like that it's like yeah like really dark shit (laughs) and you know like there's one that's like a metaphor for an abusive relationship you know where you make choices and there's like an omnipotent voice like telling you to do things and if you agree or disagree like the the way that the scenery looks will change and become either like like brighter but scarier or really rigid and dark and like there's just so many like weird interesting indie games out there and they're like game jams and some of these things were made in like 72 hours and it'll have like a really neat concept but it'll be really rough and I like this website because it really gets a lot of them in one place and if you use the tags if you're like I feel like escape the room games and nothing but escape the room games (laughs) there's like 9,000 of them bejeweled clones with like all sorts of different like uh, plot game mechanisms and stuff like that they review visual novels and otome games sometimes like they're not that's not their focus but they do uh, pick up on a lot of those and I mean that's where I found out about like Christine Love that's where I, where I played her first one don't take it personally babe this just ain't your story <laughs> it's a game by Christine Love which everyone should play because it's great mm. where you're a teacher and you're basically like spying on the emails all your students send to each other and figuring out what their social problems are and like deciding <laughs> how to deal with them <laughs> it's, it's, awesome. it's pretty excellent and horrifying but yeah it's way. super horrifying oh man Christine Love will <laughs> Her other game, uh, Analog A Hate Story, is basically a Handmaid's Tale in space. As a game. <laughs> That's uh, on Steam now, isn't it? Or yeah, it is. Sequel? No, both oh. of them are on Steam. Anyways, uh, I'm very enthusiastic about games. Can you tell? <laughs> so you wreck Analog A Hate Story.
anything and the, the teacher yeah. one. Like we can do Christine, Christine Love. Love. You can general. follow Christine Love. Follow Hanako Games. I just played the Royal Trap recently, which was like a really fun visual novel. It's one of these sort of fantasy worlds, and it's interesting because they set it up as like a feudal society, but power sort of goes through the female lines, but. If you're like a second daughter, then you're kind of screwed. And so you're playing the second daughter of this family who ended up getting a, a job as being like the prince's advisor. And you have to like hook him up with a girl or you can fall in love with him. And there's a whole intrigue thing. And it was really entertaining. That one is fun. Mm. Uh, but it's one of those ones where you're like, you can get with the prince who's your best friend or you can cruelly reject him and get with some new guy. And I'm like, I can't reject you. Look at you. You have puppy dog eyes. It's making me sad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that one's cool. I like that. Yeah. yeah, that one is really neat. They did another game that was called Black Closet is kind of neat. That one is like super lesbian and it's also not like a standard mm-hmm. visual novel at all. You're playing as like the student body president of this prestigious girls school and you have to like mm-hmm. basically use your power to make sure that the school doesn't look bad. So it'll be like there are some girls are doing something sketchy in the boiler room after school. Is it a creepy cult? Are they doing drugs? Are they gambling? Or are they just like having a knitting circle? and you have to like question people and interact with them accordingly and you have little minions who can come help you but one of them's a traitor and it's just it's actually like variable so like which one the traitor is changes each time so you can't know what's going to happen uh, so I was playing that a bit that was mm-hmm. fun I could just talk about indie games a lot there's so many and that's what's <laughs> that's what's so great about it there are all these tools that mm-hmm. let you I mean other than people who can code their own stuff because a lot of people can just code their own stuff but there are a lot of third party tools that also let you visual novel makers and RPG makers and stuff where they'll give you the sprites they'll give you the basic coding and you kind of plug stuff in with your own art your own story so there's really the mm. the indie game community's really exploded in the last like i don't know i'd say 10 years because mm-hmm. it used to be yeah. yeah it's a lot more yeah, accessible everyone. to everyone who doesn't want to go through the either the meat grinder which is the games industry <laughs> as someone working in it or just the horrible criticism well, there's of also the like when you talk fandom. about markets like the video game market it, there's so much money tied into that when you have something that's going on the playstation or you know these big games that we talked about final fantasy or dragon age or whatever AAA that they're or yeah. the sports games which is a huge whole separate thing that there's so much money mm-hmm. tied into these and they're reaching a very mainstream audience. They'll do ads on TV, the, you know, they'll do E3, all this stuff. And so the budgets are higher, the expectations, the stakes are higher, the stakes animation's higher. higher, you need bigger teams. But there are a lot of people who are like, hey, I really liked King's Quest when I was a kid. I want more text adventure <laughs> games. Or, mm-hmm. You know, again, visual novels can be, if you have your own art yeah. story, can be relatively easy to set up. So escape the room games, RPG makers, things like where you don't need really great graphics or, you know, a huge expansive sandbox uh, world where you can do all this stuff. They're mm-hmm. like, yeah, they just want a little story. They want a little click. Stuff, they yeah. want a, maybe a little casual game in there and then, or a platformer or something that there's been a rising demand for these mm-hmm. games, but people won't necessarily pay more for them. It won't reach the huge mainstream audience, but right. there's an audience for it online. People who want to play Flash mm-hmm. game on, through a browser or just whatever the case is. So it makes a lot of sense that these things would not be going through the regular channels. In addition to like not being a part of the meat grinder, it's a different audience. It's a specialized audience, mm-hmm. people who really seek it out. And if they buy a game, it's going to be a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. goes into mobile too. Like now that most people have smartphones like the market for casual and some of these indie games too are yeah. it's just huge it's exploded yeah. compared to what it was like it used to be you'd have to go you know to one of the game sites download it maybe or play it online and now you can just go to the google play store or the app store apple. App, app store you can search you'll even if you find one you like they'll suggest mm-hmm. similar ones yeah, that's how- a lot of them are even like free to play or free to play the intro it's a, it's pretty amazing like and actually there's a bunch of japanese ultimate games that have been mm-hmm. brought over that way. Either mobile ones that just came over to mobile or even console ones that they yeah. adjusted. Voltage, adapted. was that always a mobile phone? 
company? It's not a mobile phone company, but it's always been a mobile okay. phone app company. Oh, sorry. Mobile app company. And there's a couple big ones. Voltage. Well, Gree, they did a bunch. And they kind of like take games. They're kind of like a distributor more than a publisher. So they take a game that some little companies made and then they put it on their kind of Technically, Alice in the Country of Hearts. And, and the, <laughs> Alice in the Country of Hearts is available in English on the App Store. It might, I don't remember if it was just an Apple. Just no, it was on Android too because I have it. The translation it, is really English. So it's it's so bad that I got the voices. So you, it is one of the few ones that you can actually buy the voices for. So you can hear the Japanese, like Japanese only, go as you play it. And when it was Alice talking because she doesn't have a voice, sometimes I could not understand yeah. what she was <laughs> saying. I could only understand the Japanese, which I mean, I'm fluent in, but I'm not perfect in. But I could understand the Japanese sounds better than I could yeah, understand the English text. I hope it gets re-released with a better translation because when it came, I have a little trouble talking about this because I've worked on the Alice manga for so long that I, yeah, it's huge in Japan and it's huge it is, here yeah. too. The manga does really well. It has for a long time. Yeah, and the game is fun. Like they had many, many Alice games and just reiterations and re whatever. And this is a fairly easy one to play in terms of how you play the gameplay. But the translation is just so bad that I could not. Yeah, there were, there were a lot of articles basically saying that, that it was a really big deal that it came out in English, partially because of the existing English language Alice fandom because of manga. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the people who played the game as well. Although because it is a very text-heavy visual novel, that one was buried or intro to that. Mm-hmm. Your Japanese had to be pretty good. Then when it came over, it was like read kind of like it had been put through Google Translate. And it was expensive, too. It was so bad. When I found it on the store and I read the description and stuff, I put in a flag because I thought <laughs> somebody had pirated it. I didn't think that that it's was a professional... The, the name changed, too. Version. I think it's called Alice in the Heart. Doesn't make sense, yes. really. So. Yeah, like maybe they wouldn't say Alice in the Heart Country. I don't know. This is how bad it is. Yeah, we can't I, even I hope they re-release it because it was... Uh, I know the Alice fandom was really excited to see it and they really wanted people to buy it, but it was an expensive game and it was really hard to penetrate, even though we, we've mm-hmm. had some issues in the Alice fandom with changes that... I made in the manga, but this is like an almost entirely separate issue that like it was kind of incoherent mm-hmm. in English. So yeah, it's a sprawling franchise. These things happen. I do hope it gets fixed because that is a fun game. And mm-hmm. this is literally like the eighth remake of that because the original version of it, which we've all played, I think, <laughs> including Becca, um, yeah. that one was a freaking mess. <laughs> Like, it was coded so poorly. Like, you couldn't even cheat because so much of it was based on randomness. You could do everything right and still lose. But they re-released it Mm -hmm. a bunch of times. And each time, like, they redid all the art. Well, they redid all the art several times. And then they redid the coding several times. And now it's, like, pure visual novel. This version that's on mobile, I think, is probably the one that was on the PSP, maybe? Or the DS? Yeah. uh, When it was re-released for Because it used to be a PC game. Like a lot of visual novels. A lot of visual novels weren't really on the consoles. In Japan, they are. Now you get tons of them on, especially a handheld. Yeah, they started on, well, the very first one was Angelique. Yeah. Super, Super Panic Nintendo. Kong, which here it was that Super never Nintendo. came out over here. And 1994. <laughs> and it was. Sorry, I just uh, like screaming hmm? Angelique. It's been around forever. It just. <laughs> It's been around forever, and it wasn't even really based around romance, which a lot of Otome is. It, it was a land cultivation. <laughs> so it wasn't really the original one? <laughs> so it's a bit like, it's hard to say exactly what it's like. It's kind of like SimCity in that you would pick different types of land to put on this bare country and then see how it grows. And each guy, because there's like 12 of them, has an element. And so, you know, you, this land has this type of element. They go better with certain types of elements. And you were competing against, in the story, you were a nominee to be the queen of the universe or something <laughs> and you were competing against another nominee to see who can grow their country the best and 
develop it the best. And then as a side game mechanic, you could kind of go and meet the guys and kind of have a little romance with them. And that was the first Otome game. Yeah. Well, okay, so we should also define Otome, which literally means like maiden or young woman in maiden Japan. Game. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, yeah, they're targeted towards girls or women. The most common or the defining factor, I think, is that you have to have more than one romantic interest. And one of the game's main targets is to develop a romance with them. You don't have to always do that, but it's one of the goals of the game. Often you'll have other goals as well, maybe passing school. There is one where you're a a spaceship captain, so you're trying to win a space war. You know, you can have different ones. And it's not... Visual novel is definitely the most common because it's the cheapest. And a lot of Ultima games, they focus more on nice visuals, good voice acting, rather than gameplay mechanics. But there's a lot of other ones if you yeah. like different types of games. So that's an Ultima game. A visual novel is when it's basically a choose-your-own-adventure kind of thing where there's mm-hmm. a story and talking to these characters and you get choices of how to answer questions. That's right. Um, and there's usually no time limit. Yeah, it's basically a branching storyline where you're just kind of playing through a story. So visual novel yeah. is a type, it's like a genre of game, or I guess you would say it's like a type of game. And then Ty- Otome yeah, game is like a genre sort of thing. So a lot of Otome games are visual novels, but not all visual novels are Otome games. So right. Otome games specifically made for women. A lot of them, like she said, are visual novels because the things that Otome games focus on, which a lot of times is romance, story, voice acting, pretty, like they're so brightly colored. I can't stress this <laughs> enough. If, if you're not sure if a game's Otome or not, is it like anime, pretty and are they like pink, purple, blue, yellow? <laughs> yeah, like if, yes. if this is like the pastels everywhere, glitter, roses, like, like basically what shoujo is, except like using mostly pastels. <laughs> They're so bright and colorful and fun. There are a lot of hot dudes in it. And like a lot of the time there's like, you are yeah, some... the protagonist has to be a uh, female. So yeah, if it's a, if the protagonist is male generally and a boys you're love, going yeah. with guys, then it's called boys love, which is, you know, the same as the comics. Yeah, Boys Love is kind of, I don't know if you, you wouldn't really call it a subset of Otome games, because it's like... No, it's a different, it's like similar background. Almost all Boys Love games are just visual novels. They tend to be very specific mm. for audiences. A lot of them are adult in nature. They have sex scenes, um, just like how Boys Love, not all Boys Love is adult, but a lot of it is. It's kind of a genre mm-hmm. that was kind of made for <laughs> pornography. So the yeah. Boys Love game industry, which is much smaller, and that's something that I've played a lot through. That's one thing, <laughs> it's one area of video games that I think I've played more than these two guys is the boys love visual novel industry and that's one thing like there's a lot of especially now with mobile um, a lot more people and indie games there's a lot more people making English or other language Otome games there's not too many boys love but there is Starfire, Starfire. oh man yeah <laughs> which uh, if anybody well if anybody <laughs> listens to the podcast they've probably we've probably talked about it before but it's an online comic boys love and they recently released a visual novel based on yeah. the Starfighter comic. It was a, a Western webcomic by the creator Hamlet Machine, who was a, like a New Yorker, who was very influenced by things like Gundam Wing <laughs> growing up here in the West. <laughs> and Starfighter is her adult, uh, really beautifully drawn space <laughs> or webcomic about these the guys in space and navigators and the pilots, pilots uh, banging in the cockpits of their uh, spaceships while fighting aliens. And it's it's really fun. <laughs> it started off a little bit silly and it got more serious as time goes on. The, the art is incredible. I really... <laughs> 
this is going to sound really odd, but I really, when I started reading Starfighter, even though I read a lot of boys love, I was in it for the space battles because I really loved the way she did <laughs> space battles and the alien stuff. There's one page where it was like in between a lot of banging. There was like somebody was piloting and they had this really upgraded navigation system. Like over the source of the comics, she kind of redesigned the inside of the, the cockpits and stuff. And I was really excited about the new navigation system she'd drawn. <laughs> and she mentioned even, she's like, oh, I don't know if anybody noticed I upgraded the navigation because I don't think that's why you're here. I don't know. Um, and I was like, oh my God, I know. And also, <laughs> Starfighter does have a really excellent fandom. There are a lot of people that read it for a mm. lot of reasons, because I think it's appealing on a couple different levels. And then they teamed up with this new company called Date Naito, who do visual novels that you don't have to download. You can play them in a browser. A browser you can game. play them mobily. They're really great. They work together, again, like a New York-based company, and they turned Starfighter into a visual novel, which just came out. They kickstarted it. They were trying to raise like 70 grand, and they raised 125 or something. They raised a lot of money. Starfighter is a big audience. And the visual novel came out a couple weeks ago, and it's really great. Like, it's really mm-hmm. great. They did a great job. It's got a, it's got space story stuff, which is why I was like, mm. oh, I hope there's more. And about it got it. on Kotak. It, yeah, it I got, know. It got good press. Uh, it was on Polygon when they were doing the Kickstarter. It kind of was a little bit of a breakthrough, I think. I, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I think it's doing well. It's a good game. It deserves to do well. But this is kind of one of the bigger budget indie visual novels that have come out. Specifically, if you want stuff that's kind of Otome slash Boys Love inspired, this mm-hmm. was, there's no question that this, the main audience for Starfighter is women or anybody who wants to read kind of boys love games. And then because they kickstarted it, they had things like if we reach the stretch goal, this character from the comic is now bangable in this game. Like, <laughs> and there's one that was a three P. Yes. They, uh, oh, like a yeah. Threesome. That was actually surprisingly fu- easy to find. Yeah, back on lockdown. <laughs> Yeah, which is great. But yeah, I thought I thought that was pretty great. And did Onodobo do some of the art for the game? She did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ono, well, Onodobo, who does the art for Dusk and Clevia for us, has long time been connected to Starfighter. I think she did. I think she does some work on the comic itself. I think she might assist Hamlet a little bit. But they're very close friends. They do a lot of stuff together. And I'm pretty sure Onodobo was one of the artists on the team for the game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was great. So we mm-hmm. date Naito, who are we're, we're kind of friends with a lot of those guys. Um, and the fact that Onodobo, in between Clevia, was also working on Star Eclipse, this one video game it's just all a big happy family this industry we all know each other <laughs> buddies so date naito is working on another game now hustle cat which i think mm-hmm. is like a cute dating True. Oh, to me. Yeah, game. it's like a cat cafe or something, yeah. or just a normal cafe. It's something like that. It, it's more traditional Ultima, I think, but also mm-hmm. I think they had like gender queer options. Oh, that's right. Like I think you can choose to be a guy or a girl. You know, like it's the character design is fairly androgynous, anyways. But I think they showed one that like looked the same, but like one kind of had some boobs and long. Yeah, hair. I almost think they let you choose your picture and your pronoun separately or something like that. Yeah, and then like the the dialogue of the game, I don't think changes. So. Like you can still romance women, yeah, you yeah, want. yeah, which is cool. Yeah, it is cool. It look, it looks great, and I, I don't know when that's coming out. I think, uh, I think it's still to be, okay. you know. TV. Well, I mean, Starfighter came out literally a month ago, so mm-hmm, <laughs> they're a small sure. studio. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to get, so we could talk about visual novels and stuff forever, but I don't want to overlook some of the other ones. Like, I wanted to say, I don't know if it was from E3, but recently they, I don't play sports games, like. Yeah, neither do I. Or whatever, but I am going to buy FIFA 16 because it has female soccer players. Oh, wow. For the first time ever. And it's amazing. (laughs) Like, I love soccer. I love watching soccer and uh i think this is amazing yeah, I think, like it's the first time it's i think happened. we should talk about getting to play as a female character because yeah it's yeah. A lot to be such a, yeah well and you know what's interesting is that so the women's world cup is on right now in canada Woo! nothing in toronto though Boo. anyways sports and one of the sponsors is coke and they're running of course ads during the games and one of the ones that i really like is woman a young woman sitting down with christine sinclair who is the captain of the canadian team and they're playing a video game like a soccer video game 
and it's not FIFA or whatever because this is not a FIFA ad. But they're guys, blah blah blah. And then in the game, one of the guys like gets subbed out, and Christine Sinclair comes in and plays whatever. It's fun. And then the tagline is "Happiness is seeing yourself in the game," and it's true. I mean, it sounds cheesy when it's in a Coke ad, mm-hmm. but um, you know, I'm I'm really happy that now. You know, we were talking about this in the in the comics podcast as well is that creators developing now and starting to produce work now have grown up in a world where they've almost always had comics for them and it's not like when I was a kid and most of the protagonists of games were men or most of the marketing was targeted towards men now they're finally starting to even in the the big games industry which is more hard to change they're getting more inclusive of not only women, but also, like, different genders and sexual identities and everything. Yeah, well, I mean, like, I, I think that the, the two big, like, AAA game companies that I actually play games from are, uh, like, Bethesda, so that's, like, Fallout and... Sky, Elder Scrolls, Elder Scrolls, and yeah. all that Skyrim and stuff like that. And those guys really—they're not perfect, but their games are less plotty than a lot of the other things. They're lo- a lot of the quests are very just like, oh, we need to defend this place, or we need to fight your way through this dungeon, or we need to whatever. Mm-hmm. But they use so a, just do yeah, it. but they use a lot of female characters, and they let you be a woman, yeah. and they let you change your hair and your mm-hmm. your appearance and everything like that. And I mean, it's silly because it almost makes no difference to gameplay. With like, you know, usually there'll be like two quests or something that are different and sometimes yeah. you can like technically marry someone but none of the characters have personalities so it's like doesn't even matter uh- <laughs> yeah, no. I was kind of disappointed I'm like oh this is the marriage yeah. uh, I was looking forward to some like like a romance but they don't do that shit <laughs> but it, even like, even though it doesn't really matter it does matter and you know it does matter to the yeah and that's what that's why I don't understand because some of the critics, critics will be like why does it even matter when it doesn't even change the gameplay it's like why does it matter then that we get to do it why does it bother you so much yeah like because like, I want to create some yeah. badass girl who's gonna like wander around in mm-hmm. in the you know wasteland of DC where no one bothered to like clean their floor in 200 years because there was a war. They, that means that they just leave shit all over the ground. No, I love Fallout, but they just leave shit all over the ground. Nobody cleans their house. <laughs> I get that there was a nuclear war, but you could still like pick the papers up and put them on the shelf. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the radiation poisoning the radiation made them stay in bed. Okay. Wow. I'm surprised you have feelings on this, but I I'm sorry. <laughs> Stupid. But I, like when when I talk about these games being brown, that's what I'm thinking about right now because that game is aggressively brown. <laughs> but again, it's amazing. Well, Skyrim's all white. I, and yeah. Green. Well, Skyrim has like beautiful nature, and Fallout has the ruins of buildings. And I say this with lots of love because those games are great, and I'm really excited for Fallout mm-hmm. Four. But uh, mm. yeah, it's it's. Just <laughs> you know, it's interesting because, like, sometimes it's actually good. I I think that the gameplay doesn't change mm-hmm. because sometimes when they put stuff in that it changes, mm-hmm. it's awful. oh yeah. I would rather have in Skyrim. I'm a really cool. I think I have like a girl crush on my my character because <laughs> she's big Amazon with like paint on her face. Yeah, and, like her hair is kind of a crazy braids and stuff, <laughs> and she just like cuts through everything because I'm always a warrior mm-hmm. and nothing happens to her. There are no quests where it's like there's no dialogue where somebody threatens me with sexual violence. Yeah, no, that's a Thing. It's almost feels more feminist because the gender doesn't matter. Even though, like, to other quests and... Uh, 
you know, they might have women or they have, you know, violence or whatever. But to me, it never happens. Yeah. I never feel I'm never treated differently because I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, even then, like, I do feel like these games where they are kind of trying to create a world, at least the Bethesda games, they tend to have just like, you know, you've got a shopkeeper and they're sketchy and they might be a girl and they might be a guy. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you they do split a lot of stuff up very equally. You know, mm-hmm. again, like, it's not perfect. Like, the guard template for like random guard is usually male but like when it comes to just townspeople they use their like random generator and they'll give them backstories and most of the time they're like the people you're going to for quests are half male and female the people who are like your sidekicks you'll have men and women well dragon age i don't know if they did it all the games but definitely in inquisition there are some like the mobs i think are randomly generated so they're like half men and half women and i think some of the i think some of the characters that are They might have lines, but they're not important characters. They sometimes switch. Oh, really? Like, it actually Actually, the characters. Okay, that's interesting. Because, like, yeah, well, like I've been saying, I've been playing Fallout, and a lot of the random bandits are women. Like, I've I've Mm -hmm. headshot to death a lot of women in in sort of... That's I think that in the- I'm just saying. Yeah, maybe that's Skyrim too. It's like, yeah, like half the time the bandit leader will be a woman and half the time it'll be a guy. And it doesn't matter. I still kill them. Yeah. But I like it. Yeah, no, I mean, I know, I know it's silly for this to be equality and I know that there's like issues with violence. And I mean, honestly, there are times when I feel guilty mowing my way through this many humanoid creatures because personally, I would rather my violent fantasies be toward monsters than human beings. And I always kind of think a little bit like, oh, I feel more guilty about animals. Humans I'm usually okay with. <laughs> Interesting. Well, everybody's thinking, like, well, everybody's got their opinion on what they feel the most guilty killing. I don't, I don't like killing the rabid dogs either. I just, I want to kill. Like, the- I hate the dogs because they always whimper and stuff. Oh, I'm, like, oh, I'm sorry. I know. I feel terrible, and I can't be evil in those games either. I always need to like. No, I oh, can't. I-, I tried, and then it's like no. But I did love in Dragon Age Two when you can be. There's angry and aggressive. There's pacifistic. Yeah, pacifistic and nice. And then there's just sarcastic. Yeah, and I sarcastic. always do sarcastic. Well, that's the thing. I wanted to talk to- again about things like uh like what is the company again that does dragon age and they did bioware. uh mass- yeah bioware because bioware is yeah, different but now it's ea is so. it ea now okay whatever i mean they own it let's talk bioware because i don't know like i've played the rest of ea can go they can go screw themselves. but uh yeah. bioware with dragon age and mass effect actually did put a lot more story into it and thus your gender had a little bit more to do with things and in particular they had like really complicated romances and let's just mm-hmm. say that romancing alistair was wonderful except for the creepy yes uncanny valley sex scene which i kind of skipped with my eyes closed because it was like too horrifying i always kind of felt like people who played that game male which i never bothered to do because i'm like if i can be a girl why would i be a guy mm-hmm. it feels like they would have missed out so much of it because i feel like so much of that uh, the first dragon age was the the romance with alistair like yeah every time i try to play it and romance someone else because i do like the assassin yeah what's his face i don't remember because i was too busy romancing alistair like yeah like i try to do it and oh zevra yeah yeah i try to romance him and then I can't. I'd rather just be Alistair's just with that cute. guy. And but I mean, there's the ones that you can't get. One thing I was impressed with Bioware is that they get better every yeah. game uh, with how they deal with these things. And I like how their characters that you can romance. You know, they do have preferences too. Like in the most recent one, well, like Alistair, like he is heterosexual, so he'll only go for a female character. Zevran is kind of pansexual, I think. Like no matter what you are, he's like, yeah, let's let's do this. <laughs> Liliana, I think, is also bisexual. Mm-hmm. Like they have their own. Like I feel I don't know, that seems kind of realistic to me and kind of 
respectful. Like some people get mad and they make mods so that you can romance anyone. But I don't know. I like having you know, like I can in the Dragon Age Inquisition, which is the third one. There's Solus, who's like an elf mage. And he, I think he only goes for like other elves. I don't know if they have to be female. And I've never romanced him. I'm like, eh, if I want to romance him, I have to be an elf. And that's just the way it is. That's an interesting dynamic. Like if you get representation there, but you accurately reflect that most people have some kind of a preference. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's funny how a lot of fandom has made us look at things with sort of queer eyes. You know, that you're used mm-hmm. to kind of queering it up or, you know, to make all the characters yeah, pansexual so that you stuff. can do anything that you want. And also, we, we talk about pansexual versus bisexual, but if, if there's no real gender queer or trans, I'm not even sure you would, within that game, I'm not even sure if... There is a, there's at least one or two trans characters, oh, like, good. not not the main characters in your party, but, oh yeah, there's a fantastic um, trans man in, like, he's the, kind of the sub-chief or sub-commander to one of the guys in your party because they were a band of mercenaries and he's fantastic. Oh, cool. Prem. Oh, it's so, he's so yeah, cool. I haven't played Inquisition because I'm not allowed to buy it until I actually beat one of the other two Dragon Ages. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's... See, when that's, I... Uh, oh, I was just going to say, I had to buy Dragon Age 2 for the PC so I could cheat, so I could finish it, so I could play Dragon Age. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, but in the so I guess in that case the context pan would be appropriate if you have people identifying outside of just male or female. But I, I like mm-hmm. that idea that, like, if you have that representation, you don't necessarily have to have an interpretation that like everyone is secretly pan because otherwise they're just falling into these heterosexual mm-hmm. thing. You know, you got fandom has to do it. Not to say that fandom won't still queer everything up or even take queer yeah. characters make them straight if they feel like it. Fandom is another yeah. thing. Like you can do anything. Oh yeah, you want fandom, fandom, fandom like, can take it and run right. with it. But it, it's interesting that now you can really discuss. Oh, these people have preferences, and it makes sense because it's not their preferences are not all the same. <laughs> mm. like, yeah, and because they they actually have character backgrounds and storylines and stuff, like it makes more sense that they have a more different find yeah. sexuality. Or yeah, whatever. well, those games are a lot heavier on character development than a lot of other things, yeah, and they, yeah. so having that stuff set makes sense for them. And that's, you know, <laughs> that's really where we should be now, <laughs> like, in terms of narratives and stuff. Like, we should be acknowledging that people have different sexualities, people have different gender identities. Well, I mean, like, well, for, from a game perspective, if someone is like, you can get with everyone, I am certainly not going to fight that, because I think that's also oh, yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you're... But that should be a choice, that you make a character that way, as opposed to it being a necessary part of fandom because they refuse to ever do anything other than heterosexuality. Yeah, I, I think that's cool. That, that Now, if a character can get with anyone, that's a plot point, right? <laughs> like, that's well, no, but I mean, I mean, like, what, what I'm saying, though, is that if from a game mechanic standpoint, you want to make it so that your character is just the most attractive and can turn anybody <laughs> to any sexuality, that is not going to... For certain kinds of games, that's fun, you know? Like, just, yeah. just go with it, you know? And also, it's the kind of thing where it's like, well, what is the real story of this game? Is it all of the options of things that you have, or is it the choices that you actually make? And if on one playthrough your choices are all I'm going to get with this one dude, then and you're playing another dude, then that for that playthrough, it's like it's like we don't need to necessarily respect the sexualities of fictional characters because it can sort of be different if in this especially, playthrough he's just yes, into guys and you know, especially if the character mm-hmm. if you talk about the main character and they're a cipher for whoever the, the audience is, then mm-hmm. like you should be and you can headcanon whatever yeah, you want, like you, right? You, if anyone's going to break all the rules, it's going to be you because you're the one controlling yeah, it. Right. it you're um, just wearing the underpants of hotness and no one can resist charms <laughs> as long as you have enough, enough relationship 
points. There you go. Yeah, let's talk about other genres that we haven't talked about too much. Let's move into action RPGs. So a big well-known title is Kingdom Hearts, which is, if you don't know, a mashup of Final Fantasy characters and Disney characters. <laughs> With all of the weird nonsense that that implies. Yeah, exactly. It was that, that was a series I was actually really into for a while. So Square is the company that originally did Final Fantasy. Enix was a company, or Enix, I think it's pronounced in Japanese, was the company mm-hmm. that was doing the Dragon Quest RPGs, among other ones, but that was their big one, Dragon Warrior. I, we should say also, like, in Japan, that is as big or bigger than Final Fantasy. Yes, yeah, so Dragon Quest, which originally came over here as Dragon Warrior, and then they now mm-hmm. they call them Dragon Quest. It's a huge franchise. And is it true that they would have to release it on a Saturday, a new game, because otherwise all the kids would skip school to go buy it and play it <laughs> in Japan? I don't know. That's what they used to say, that, like, this was how big it was in Japan, the Dragon Quest games. So you had these two big rival companies, Square and Enix, and then maybe 10 years ago, they basically combined into one big company. And I sound like an angry, bitter person, but I think that's when they jumped the shark. I stopped liking the Square games kind of after that happened because I think maybe competition was good for them as opposed to combining. I don't play mm-hmm. enough Dragon Quest to have a, an opinion on that, but um, this is around the time that like maybe Final Fantasy 11-ish was coming out. Um, the online they had it Square oh, and happened. Well, because I felt like 10 might have just been Square. Final Fantasy 10. Anyway, the point is they're kind of a, a massive video gaming company now that do these huge franchises all together. Like most of the giant RPG franchises in Japan are all coming out of Square Enix um, or Squeenix as some people call them. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and Kingdom, other than Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts is another one of their big franchises. This one's more action oh, RPG. You're, Final Fantasy 10 was Squaresoft. Yes. You're right. So when it was Squaresoft. Um, so, and I think Kingdom Hearts 1 might have been when it was Squaresoft and then Kingdom Hearts 2 was when they were Square Enix and that's when I think, I, I, I liked, I thought the story in 1 was a lot better than in 2. <laughs> but anyway, so Kingdom Hearts is like an action RPG, similar to like Zelda games. You're running through and you're, you're push the button and you, you hit the sword. Or in the case of Kingdom Hearts, you've got a giant key. Like, it's like a weapon. And it's got Disney shit hanging off of it, like janglies. It's just so <laughs> odd. It's an odd game. But you basically go through, and your team is like Donald Duck and Goofy. And you go and you fight your way through all these different Disney movies, kind of. Meanwhile, you know, so you have all this cute Disney stuff, but it's also Square. Final Fantasy, they do all oh, these yeah. dark things. So it's so they- really, really dark and, like, metaphysical. <laughs> so it's, like, basically Mickey Mouse is Jesus. He shows up in, like, like a black robe and, like, resurrects you from the dead when you die. But, like, you can never speak to him. He just disappears. And <laughs> There's all these things about, like, the soul separate from the body or that people – It has to do with, like, hearts. Like, if somebody loses their heart, they become a shell of, of what they were. But that shell is a separate entity from somebody who has their heart inside their body. Oh, that's the, like, dark shadow thing? Yeah, it is so complicated – needlessly complicated, let me say. <laughs> because I say this as a Kingdom Hearts fan because I really, really enjoyed that first game. And I played the first two – the one and two and some of the spin y ones a little bit. The mechanics were fun. By the time they got to the second game, the camera, they had bad camera angle issues and the action arc. RPG element of it, it got a lot simpler and a lot more fun, but the story went completely off the rails, and it became this, basically, a channel through which somebody could rant philosophical nonsense, that it was, I, I don't know what they were thinking, but there are, like, a ton of other games now that are, like, backstories and stuff about this weird world, and I really don't care, and again, somebody who really enjoyed Kingdom Hearts eventually turned me off, because this is, Donald Duck is your mage, I mean, like, why are we talking about the nature of reality when Donald Duck is your fucking <laughs> mage? I mean, like, let's just go Aladdin, I want Aladdin on my team, like, let's just put Aladdin on my team, and fight some bad guys and find your best friends because that's what the game was originally about it was like growing up and these two guys and a girl and the girl gets like kidnapped or something the guys both try to go find her one of them sort of turns evil turns out that they're really fighting over her they kind of wanted each 
other, you could argue. I mean, it's very hetero. It's very homoerotic. It has a lot to do with things like puberty, like kind of a three-way dynamic almost, you could argue. They're kids, but there's shit going on under the surface here. Like, there's not... <laughs> it, it's all, like, subtext, but the subtext is pretty strong. Fandom, of course, had a field day with it. But it was an interesting game. And and the first game really combined this, the Disney with the Square stuff in an interesting way, and then it became, like, what the hell are you even talking about now? And this is what a lot of Square <laughs> games have done over time. And same thing with the Final <laughs> Fantasies. They're just not really what they used to be. They're artiste pieces, and nobody's really keeping them in check. And um, there are a couple big directors and writers who are kind of responsible for these. And it's like, oh, clearly he needed a mouthpiece to talk about this stuff. Trying to make it seem like it's so philosophical and deep when it's kind of not really. It's a lot of these ideas are kind of dumb, and it's they also like the overview, the 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 voiceover to Final Fantasy VII. It's like it sounds like they're talking about something deep, but it's actually just nonsense. Makes no yeah, sense. Yeah, also there are times so you can kind of go with it. You know? And there are times where like a game you can overreach like that, and it makes more sense. As, as controversial as sort of the endings to a lot of the um, Metal Gear Solid games were, at least that game at all points was for adults about adult issues, whatever. Like Kingdom Hearts, it's like this really was going to be your mouthpiece, you know, like. Pluto the dog, who somehow can't speak, and yet Goofy is a fully functioning adult. We're not going to talk about that, but we're going to talk about all this... weird philosophical stuff that we just kind of made up as opposed to any weird things that you could actually mine the Disney movies for. They just kind of made this whole side plot and it was just odd. Anyway, th- those are action art. That one's popular with women. You could also talk about Persona. That's an arca- <laughs> Persona. Yeah, it's actually turn-based, but I mean, like a lot of current RPGs, there are kind of action elements to it. Basically, like, mm. you can kind of, like, you run around the dungeon and if you hit the monster at the right That's way, right. you get, like, a... You get and the, I never can. It's Damn. hard. They keep it's hitting hard. it you uh but yeah persona is amazing but they won't let me play as a girl anymore yeah i think persona 3 at least i have the psp version and yeah you can yeah that one's great but they actually like really changed the gameplay a lot because i think Perso- mm. persona 3 was a really fun game but there were some parts to it that were really clearly lacking in mm. largely in part that like you didn't really get relationships with your teammates yeah. uh and except for like like because you were playing a boy so you would be able to have like relationships with the female characters if you like kind of jump through a lot of hoops and then you could do like a romance mm-hmm. route with them but with Persona 4 they kind of realized that we all really would much rather just be friends with Chie and Kanji the teammates than random school people and occasionally weird creepy people <laughs> like Kai mm-hmm. in the mall who tries to teach you how to be a con artist and the uh, <laughs> the drunk ex-monk guy or current monk guy or the whatever animals, so like a couple animals you can be friends yeah. so Persona is interesting because it combines a bunch of different types of games It's first of all it's very Japanese. Mm. All the people mm. look like anime. They It's very homoerotic. They're all teenagers. But it's basically like a turn-based RPG with a little bit of action elements and like a lot of visual novel elements and then dating elements also combined. This is another huge franchise in Japan. It got really big around Persona 3, which came out for the PS2 because the other ones were on uh, the first PlayStation. And they came out in English, I think, but they weren't like really that big. And then Persona 3 came out. They remade it several times, including one version where all of a sudden you can play as a woman because you never... In 1 and 2, I don't think you could play as a woman either, right? Weren't you always a boy? I, I, They're I think so, so old now. Yeah. I don't know. But 3, you'd played as a boy. 4, you played it as a boy. In 3, when they remade it at one point... I think it was for the PSP. You could, you could choose, and all of a sudden you were a girl, and you could date the boy characters, and this was I mean, really they, they weren't really very good uh, romance characters. They weren't written that way. No, they didn't integrate <laughs> it well because it was a remake. But one of them was like the twelve-year-old, and you're like, yeah. when you get older, 
We'll uh, we'll get it out, I guess. Oh yeah, it's like, I don't, <laughs> don't get with that kid. But those are huge right now, especially among kind of like manga fans, and and a lot of female gamers really like Persona because it's got all those different elements in it. And well, it also has interesting looks at gender too, like Persona Four with Kanji and his gender. Yeah, they yeah. Well, the thing, <laughs> the thing about Persona Four was that they were almost there, and then they fucking mm-hmm. backpedaled. And I've heard it blamed on the Japanese, and I've heard it blamed on the Americans. I've heard it blamed on both in part Kanji and Persona Four is basically like a canon gay character and the premise of Persona is that you're battling through people's brains kind of like there's like dungeons based on people's people's like insecurities and fears about themselves and this is about a kid who's like a tough kid and has anger issues and he's like he thinks he's gay and he's not sure and he's like questioning his sexuality and so you fight through the bathhouse full of muscly monsters that kind of look like big beefy men and he's got sort of the there's like the shadow kanji who's kind of like a like a parody of what a teenage boy who grows up in a homophobic place thinks about gay men where he's all like oh i'm flamboyant and i'm only wearing a towel and it's like extremely embarrassing (laughs) (laughs) and it's one of these things where they were so close and then they gave him the kind of pseudo love interest who's a girl but she's just masculine so it's like oh i must have been but her actually her dungeon was interesting oh, yeah. too because she wanted to be mm-hmm. a man yeah no no like 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 this is the thing they do a lot of things right and then they backpedal yeah the last at the last yeah, second at the end it's like yeah it's like really i'm not a trans guy now i know it's okay to have masculine interests as a girl yeah, or yeah like you know like oh i was in love with this boy oh it was actually a girl in drag I'm straight after all. Like, it was just... And the fact that, like, as a lot of people have said, that the main character in that, you're always named, like, Hero or something, or you just name yourself. Your closest male friend is named Yosuke, who's basically... He is yaoi bait. I mean, this kid was just, like, designed to be in a yaoi, and people were really upset that they couldn't get with him, because they're like, how? Like, especially since Persona 3... There's that joke, there was a really great comic in Persona 3, where it's, like, a girl playing Persona 3, and she's like, oh, man, I'm gonna get with every girl, and I'm this boy, and I'm gonna be the stud, whatever. And then she plays Persona 4, and she's like, why aren't I gay with this other kid? Like, very yeah, you can, clear that you can unlock the special hugging ending with him, but yeah. also he's kind of homophobic and not in like a like I'm denying my sexuality way, but in an a oh I'm I don't want to share a tent with Kanji kind of way. Like yeah, like mm-hmm. it's but, just but interestingly, somebody ended up breaking open the game and finding code that had been recorded but wasn't used in the final cut of the game, and it sounded like Yosuke was confessing his love for you. That he's like I really like. Like you, there's a new heat inside me. I don't understand that. You know, so it sounded like maybe there was a gay root with him, yeah. or but they took it out last like, minute. Like, and, and I say with someone who's I've played this game through a bunch of times. I love this game. This game is so great. But Persona you just 4, cut, yeah. yeah, Persona Four and Persona Three. I like Persona Three a lot too, especially the girl one because, I, as I said before, making allowing me to play as a girl makes me incredibly happy. Even if it's even if they put in some stupid sexist shit sometimes, even if it's not even part of the story, let me play as a girl. It makes me yeah. so happy to have my little avatar because it's a fantasy you know it's like yeah. i want i want to imagine myself beating up bad guys or getting with every boy or getting with every girl and boy or whoever just, just being incredibly yeah, being cool. the hero and, and i mean like i just the fantasy of wanting to be the hero is not gender specific mm-hmm. and i mean okay this is so off topic but as mad max fury road clearly showed <laughs> us having an action hero who doesn't you know no 
nobody comments about her being a girl. Nobody comments about her, like, you know, being weaker or being strong for a girl or being unexpected or how she clubs people with her stump arm or anything like that. It's all, none of, it's all just taken for granted as being totally normal is really powerful for people. And I think yeah. the same goes mm-hmm. for your, your cipher-ish characters who you can choose all their options. It means a lot, even if sometimes you gotta ignore some sexist bullshit or... And this is where I would like to promote Fire Emblem. <laughs> because Fire Emblem... So this kind of leads me into part of why I really like Fire Emblem, which, um, you know, like all games kind of has its... There's some areas that it's more progressive and some areas that it's not. But Fire Emblem is a again, a strategy RPG. So it's basically like a chessboard every battle. Um, and it has an epic storyline. And it's been around a long time. It's older than Persona. It, the first Fire Emblem came out, I think, on the Super Nintendo in Japan. The first one that we got over here in English was, I think, number seven, which was um, just called Fire Emblem when it came out over here and it was on the Game Boy Advance. And even at that point, it was already kind of messing with its own formula. So the basic premise of every Fire Emblem is like, it's all medieval fantasy, like knights and horses and like flying pegasus and dragons and stuff. And there's always some noble, usually with either blue, green, or red hair, who has to like lead his people, you know, his country's being invaded or something, and he has to lead his people to victory, or they got to put some, one of them is a prince, they got to get on the throne. It's always based around some royal has got to get something done to save his kingdom from being blown up by bad guys. And I don't even remember exactly what the Fire Emblem itself is. I think it's like some sort of magical item that shows up in most of the games. It's not really that important to the plot. And I say this as someone who's played like six Fire Emblems. I can't remember what the actual Fire Emblem is. but And by the time they hit number seven and it came out over here, they started even messing with their own formula a bit because you could play as a woman, at least for a section of seven. There was basically three nobles and one of them was like a long lost princess that you start the game with her and she's kind of living in a village or something. And then, oh, you're the, you know, she's good with a sword. And they're like, oh, you're actually the long lost princess. We got to get you to the throne or something. And so the beginning of the game, which is supposed to be a little bit easier to introduce you, because I think it was specifically, mm-hmm. it might have been changed a lot before they brought it over here, but it was basically supposed to introduce Westerners to Fire Emblem. That first section is you playing as her, kind of understanding, oh my god, I have this big epic quest to do. So she was arguably, like, supposed to be the most relatable person, this woman. And in the later Fire Emblems, like, you know, a lot of the time they are male main characters who are important, but they're always really great female characters in these games. They also have, like, a brand, a type of class of warrior, which are these Pegasus Knights, that I think are all exclusively female. That They're basically, like, they're, they they have these flying horses and they have spears or whatever the case is. But, like, the, the core, like, the Pegasus core are all women. Like, they have to be female knights and stuff. Which is so... And also they have, like, a bodyguard character a lot of the time and they switch the genders of that. Nowadays at Fire Emblem is gotten a little bit... They had a couple games in the West and stuff and they started messing with their own formula. Now you can basically, instead of just directing all of these knights and nobles or whatever, the tactician, him or herself, is actually a character, and you can choose the gender of that. The big Fire Emblem that just came out that I'm going to be referencing the most is Fire Emblem Awakening, which came out for the 3DS, and it was kind of, I think, a last-ditch effort to get Fire Emblem popular again, because even though there were some amazing Fire Emblems that came out even in the West, they just weren't doing that well, and so Awakening, they're like, oh, we're going to make it way more customizable. You can choose your gender of your character. They integrated a... They'd always had a relationship system, where you could, the more people that you, if you kind of fight near somebody on the map for a long time, you start opening up these conversation options. So it's like whoever is basically battling next to you, you can build up more of a relationship with them. And then the better your relationship, the more bonuses you'll give each other if you're near near each other on the battlefield. But they evolved this in the most recent Fire Emblems. And now if you get 
enough of those. If you get high enough, you can basically marry that character. And this is strictly heterosexual, but I'll tell you why. Because once you marry somebody in game, your kid from the future pops in and is a playable character. (laughs) So, like, this obviously did really well. So, this obviously did well with a lot of audience because they're like, oh my god, it's got a shipping element in there. (laughs) Where it's like all these different options about the different kinds of characters. You could have a male or a female kids sometimes i think it depended who you were pairing up not everybody could get with everybody but whatever the case is and in that game you are a tactician and you're fighting with a prince if you are a female character you can marry that prince and all of a sudden some of these major characters in the game are now your child because they were like his kids and this was a big plot reason and now it's your and his kids and there are a lot of elements to your relationship with him that the stakes are way higher if you're actually getting with this prince because like in the main storyline you're his tactician you're really close to him but if you're actually getting with this guy it has like all these different complications are introduced into the plot i think they added some conversations or elements of conversation if he like you know he can throw on like i'll never let you go but it's like don't you remember how much i love you you know like it was really interesting and i think that because the main character in that was male but you're no matter what your tactician could be either male or female i think there were a lot of guys who were interested in playing as a woman and marrying the prince to see what that would kind of open up and also that my favorite fire emblems which unfortunately are the ones that are like the hardest to get they are path of radiance and radiant dawn which were the one there was one of them that was on the gamecube that's path <laughs> of radiance which i think is the best fire oh emblem. it's so good it's so good and path of radiance was a sequel that came out on the wii that also didn't do very well they're very hard to get the plots in those in my opinion are the best and they also have the main character is not a lord he's like a commoner who's like part of a mercenary group so they're kind of backing away from their own formula throughout the entire game they're trying to make him a lord and he's like resistant he's like i'm not a noble don't bring me your noble things i just want to protect people whatever the case is and this is a bit of a spoiler but there's kind of a secret gay ending with him because there's a pretty good argument that in all these other fire emblems there's always these princesses get with the prince or whatever you know they get with the dragon girl he was always very resistant to all of these female characters but his tactician is someone you don't he's like a separate character in that he's very close to his tactician who's also a guy and it was just really slashy and it was really interesting that was his closest relationship with another man and it had almost a sexual element it was kind of undertones until there's a secret it's really hard to unlock this in the sequel game which is in the Wii but you can kind of run off together at the end so like Fire Emblem has always had this kind of like medieval fantasy structure and the games are really fun the storylines are epic there's always dragons or some big fight there's a lot of emotional components in it but they are also experimenting within their own structure can you play as a woman can you be gay can you some of this noble versus commoner stuff and the next fire emblem that has been announced but isn't out yet you basically start as a lord who was raised by one it's like there are these two warring countries and you're secretly a noble of one country but you're raised in the other one country is basically the evil country and one country is basically the good country you know they dress all in black or white and one's a pacifist and one's an aggressive emperor empire country and you're given the choice which country will you fight for your blood or who raised you and it's like two games like they're two kind of separate routes um i think they might be combined when they come out over here but and i also heard that like the pacifist country is like the easier game and the aggressive company is the harder game that's more complex they do so many interesting things there with interactivity yet they always have a really strong storyline um and a lot of the times i mean i think one of awakening's biggest problems was it was so customizable a lot of the characters were kind of one note they weren't as good as, say, Radiant Dawn, where there's much less that you can control as the player. But the storyline, the characterizations were really, really strong. And they had kind of politics with their animal people in that one. As opposed to Fire Emblem Awakening, which was like kind of let the char- let the player do whatever he or she wants. <laughs> like these are all these options. You have quite a few options. So I think that in the same way that Persona has kind of taken over this audience that wants games that explore some of these issues of gender and, and, and sexuality. 
personality and kind of interpersonal relationships and stuff, Fire Emblem simultaneously in the strategy kind of RPG world has also been doing that. Um, and unsurprisingly, both of these games have really big growing female audiences because they're, they're not just square jawed guy <laughs> with a sawed off shotgun doing these things. They have a lot of relationship building. And as we know from a lot of, um, sort of shoujo media and stuff, relationships are the core of a lot of stuff that's marketed to women in Japan. And even here, when you talk about romance novels or rom-coms, even though, I don't know, women really like rom-coms. They're kind of a mess. You know, like this relationship building is important to a lot of that media. So it's appealing to a lot of the women and they have acknowledged that they both have female fan bases doing things like occasionally you can play as a woman or which is great and i mean that's it's not even catering <laughs> that hard but they're clearly thinking about it and that's why there was this big thing that came out maybe a, i think it might have been at last e3 where assassin's creed which is a big western franchise you could it was like all of a sudden had a multiplayer option but they were all male and people were like why can't you have a female option and they were like oh female women are different harder to animate or it would change our model you know our character model or whatever and people were just calling bullshit on that and it was like the same announcement came out where like the fire emblem where you could already be either gender for the tactician they were announcing the new super smash brothers because fire emblem has always been with nintendo they show up in super smash brothers and they were like oh you can be the tactician for fire emblem awakening in smash brothers and they had this big trailer for it and then at their end oh by the way you can also be the girl version too like both of them are in this <laughs> you know right after assassin's creed it just kind of been like oh my god we can't do this and people were like boo whatever and it was like simultaneously fire emblem has already done that and now that it's moving into another game it is still doing that like without even making a big deal out of it they're just like of course why wouldn't you girls are going to want to play that <laughs> and again not to say that like anime and manga and the kind of the japanese geek industries don't have their own issues with sexism and stuff but this idea of catering to women is not new to them They've been thinking about it for longer. Like, shoujo is about 10 years... I would say the shoujo movement is kind of 10 years ahead in Japan than it is here. So they're already... Ultima games are a huge industry now. That they, they really exploded in the last 10 years. And all these other games that are more Japanese, that, you know, long-standing female audiences and long franchises and stuff are not fighting this weird game fandom that we have in the West and this weird industry mentality that is not with all games, like we said, Bioware and Bethesda and stuff. It's not like no everybody's doing this, but these big expensive games long franchises in japan are like of course why wouldn't you don't you want money <laughs> like anyway fire emblem is the best you should go play all of them there's like 90 <laughs> and they take a long time because mm, yeah, yeah. you play them because one of your people dies and you're like nope nope gotta start over yeah or i want to get with this new person now now there's like the shipping thing where it's like oh i want to have mm. kids these people. well that's what i'm doing in ink dragon age too but like inquisition i'm on my third playthrough because i'm like well i want to get with everybody and next time i think i actually might be a guy because when the best one of my favorite characters is gay and you have to be a guy if you want to romance him so <laughs> it, it is kind of great how romances and games have kind of taken off as this thing yeah. that everyone's putting in because everyone's yeah. just like like you know you, you gotta have some kind of people, people really like it I mean, you know it's you fun know, like relationships are a big part of yeah life yeah. um and sex and sells just, i don't know <laughs> yeah it's not even just sex though it's just i don't know human Contact. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I, know, I feel like, like it is because I mean, you know, like like the amount that sex is actually used in a lot of these games is either limited or not good. Not yeah. You know, there. like like yeah. sometimes it isn't even there. It's like a fate. Well, I mean, that's why they try to shoehorn romances into the like most not romantic mm -hmm. movies too, yeah. right? Like they'll often have like just some shoestring storyline about whatever getting with hot yeah. girl that just. Happens but when it's to a game, that. even if it's shoehorned in and even if it's minor, like a very small part of it, it's still something you get to choose. So. 
So that that mm-hmm. kind of makes it different, you know, because even even if it's a shallow, yeah. stupid love story, it's your shallow, stupid love story. And you get to decide if you guys are making out or if you're just like best bros. So I think we're going to finish off soon. <laughs> we want to talk about, so Otsume games we talked a bit about. Before we go into Otsume games that you can get in English, the Otsume games are also part of the broader adventure genre. And I just want to do a shout out to really good ones like Phoenix Wright <laughs> and... Adventure? Um, would, would you call that adventure or visual? Novel? Yeah, they call oh, okay. it adventure. Like, here they call it adventure. It's kind of the closest genre to... Uh... And yeah, Phoenix Wright is not a visual novel. I mean, it is in that you choose things, but, you know, you have to go and, like, find things yeah, and whatever. It's a mix, so it's yeah. a kind yeah. of, like, it's, 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 it's sort yeah. of a combination, because it's, like, the, the gameplay where you have to search is sort of similar to an adventure mm-hmm. game. Phoenix Wright are lawyer games, <laughs> yeah. for anybody who might not be familiar. Yeah, and, and yeah. the writing in those games is phenomenal, and you should just play them all in a row. It's just so, so funny. So Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, was the first game and it was on the DS and yeah you're a new defense lawyer trying to win cases and you have to go around kind of gathering evidence I have no idea how realistic it is but it makes the Japanese justice system look totally broken Um, as someone who's researched the Japanese justice system there are legit things in Phoenix Wright that you can tell is a criticism of because yeah there's I think jury trials are very new like it used to just kind of be a judge Mm -hmm. it's it's very different from ours they're they're a little bit closer to a police state Mm -hmm. although you know with recent Mm -hmm. stuff happening in the states we can't really say we're not a police state that much but yeah the justice system if you are accused of if you are arrested for a crime in japan it's like 95 or 99 percent chance you're going to jail that you're going to be convicted rather yeah not necessarily that you go to jail but if you're arrested you're basically convicted so phoenix wright is a defense attorney who's fighting basically trying to get a few people off and you gather evidence yeah and it does get it you know more into like the whole Mm -hmm. system uh, as the games go through and even though the main character is phoenix wright he's a guy he always has a female assistant and there's lots of female characters that's about mm-hmm. half and half for witnesses and well his yeah, mentor was a woman yeah and his mentor was a like kick-ass yeah you, you actually get, yeah in, was... in the third game i think you get to play a couple trials as her too yeah because it's, a it's oh, right. yeah because she dies um, in the very first phoenix right it's like the first case that she's murdered in the first case yeah there's like i mean okay it's realistic in a few few ways but also there are like ghosts and sometimes there's a parrot um yeah there's like psychic and, things or and you have to yeah. cross examine the parrot yeah they're you funny. know they're like, silly they're they, yeah, they're comedies as well. So one of all the first three games, so your main female assistant is the younger sister of your mentor, and they have their own kind of story arc that they go through I, like over the three games. Like it's, the original was a trilogy trilogy and yeah uh, and, and there's actually really kind good. of a lot of continuity between because i mean it's it's broken up into cases but there's kind of a lot of like actual story going on that continues between cases which is kind of neat yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in games phoenix Wright is adventure and adventure i guess is the parent or grandparent of the visual novel genre of which otome is a beautiful daughter beautiful <laughs> child of so the Otome games, we mentioned that Angelique was the first one, and it wasn't even really a visual novel. It was a kind of a sim. But nowadays, starting around 10 years ago, 2004, 2005, a few more games publishers started... They would just try putting out one Otome game and see if it did well. And for a while, it, it took a while for it to build up. And around 2009, 2010 was when in Japan they really started hitting their market, learning what people wanted, and the production just ramped up and it's kind of crazy now. Like now there's at least like four or five games released a month um, that are classified as Otome. There are even some games that are not classified as Otome, but I think people would really call them that. Like 
if anybody is Prince of Tennis fans, <laughs> then <laughs> there are definitely Otome yeah. games, even though they don't show up in my Otome magazines, where you're a female, like an original character, and you kind of, mm, you either get stranded on a desert island with all these guys, and you end up, you know, trying to have a romance with one of them. But um, those ones will probably never be oh, released okay. over here, unfortunately. Uh, a, a guy, However, sorry, not to interrupt, but a guy friend of ours, yeah. like, saw online in in Japanese that, like, oh, there's a Prince of Tennis game, and he bought it. <laughs> and, yeah, and it was one of those like, ones? Choose your yeah. girl's school uniform. Where's the tennis? Yeah. It was no tennis. Yes. It was great. Well, because Pr- Prince it of was Tennis great. was a Shonen Jump series. It just it was one of the first yep. Shonen Jump series to have a humongous female following. Like I don't I am a majority female following. Um and so it was it was funny that you you know, the magazine that runs One Piece and stuff that have all the adventure games and stuff, that they came out with a legit Prince of Tennis game where you're like a girl and you want to like make relationships with all these boys that it was like hitting a market that is kind of not counterintuitive but not at the very least not what you would expect they would do that bald faced i guess like yeah like i don't know if a western would do that yeah they wouldn't admit to it yeah like they wouldn't make a dc game where you could like Batman or something. Yeah, no, exactly. That it's like, it was an attitude thing where it's like, well, women are buying it, so let's give women something that they want. Regardless of what Mm -hmm. that might make us look like. You know, (laughs) because they want money. Yeah, like canon is like, whatever. I mean, the Japanese, the idea of canon is less strong in Japanese media, I find too. Like, they're used to doing like cross different media, like offshoots. Yeah, spinoff is really big. I mean, that's, yeah, like that's part of what, why we in sparkler kind of follow it like we don't we love it when people make fan works of our stuff we even do like fan offshoots of them ourselves in like cherry bomb or mm-hmm. whatever side story stuff but anyways there are going to be some ultimate games um coming out there's a few existing ones but they can be hard to get um hack Woki, people might know of which is uh set in the end of the 19th century when japan was you know the samurai was fighting against western influence kind of and it was a emperor will they still have an emperor are they gonna have a shogun blah 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 and it's all the like famous samurai like saito hajime and okita soji if you watched many different anime you've probably seen them it was incredibly popular in japan when they brought it over here it's surprisingly popular so axis games keeps um getting the new versions and putting them out Axis is also doing, um, they did another one afterwards, which didn't do as well. It's actually, if you like Phoenix Wright, you might really enjoy it. It's called Sweet Fuse at Your Side. Sweet Fuse, F-U-S-E. Um, it's like kind of a nonsense, Sweet Fuse. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, in Japan, it was called Bakudan Handan, which is like explosion decision. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it actually kind of makes a little more sense, I think. I don't know. But, um and that game is more a visual novel than Phoenix Wright, but you go around, uh, you're trapped in an amusement park by a crazy, well, you think crazy terrorist kind of person who makes you and this group of six or seven guys go around to different rides and try to solve the puzzle in it, or else the he'll blow up the amusement park and all these hostages that he has. And during this... You know, every day you have a different game that you're supposed to go and, and beat. And uh, you get to know the guys and, you know, 
get to develop a romance with them. It's like really well done in terms of story, and its main character is really great. The art style is not as pretty as a lot of Otome games, which I think hurt it over here. But I recommend it if you can find it. I still like the art. I think it was a little closer to or the PSP. I think it was a little closer to kind of Phoenix Wright, the more stylized kind of anime look. Yeah, it's actually the it it has as a character KG Inafune who did Mega Man um, designs. Like he was the producer or something, just kind of which kind of makes but, sense um, because Capcom did Mega Man and F- Phoenix Wright, yeah. So Phoenix they got Wright, kind yeah. of that look. The... Mm-hmm. But uh, so unfortunately, they didn't do too well um, commercially. But it's still out there, so I encourage you to do it uh, to find it if you can. And now Axis is going to produce this PS Vita one called Code Realize, which I'm really excited about because it has a good story. It has amazing art. It has almost everything I think an Otome game that should be localized. So you played have. it in Japanese, right? I've played it in Japanese. I've gotten all the characters. <laughs> Yay! So that means I really mm. liked it. It's set in Victorian London, steampunk, so it's an alternate history. It has uh, Arsene Lupin as one of the main characters. It has Sherlock Holmes as a side <laughs> character. It has Van Helsing. It has Dr. Frankenstein as one of the guys you can remember. Amazing! (laughs) Don't go to his place, though. Yeah, it's a a very... It's a fairly dark story, actually. The heroine is... She has almost no memory. She's... You know, she kind of wakes up or... The start of the game, she's in this old mansion in Wales. And, um... The government of Queen Victoria is trying to take her out to somewhere, and then she gets kind of kidnapped by Lupin, who says, "Oh, I, you know, I need you for something, whatever." And then you kind of hang out with him, and you gather all these other guys. And the heroine is poisonous, <laughs> <laughs> so she doesn't understand much about it because she doesn't remember anything. She has something kind of implanted in her chest, which releases this poison. So her skin, anybody that touches her, kind of melts. And one of the things things you're trying to do is find out how you can get rid of your poison so you can actually touch someone and have human contact. Sweet. And it's really bittersweet. It, the writing is really good. The heroine is good too. Like at the first she's a very kind of robotic. She doesn't have any emotions but as she uh, interacts with the characters more and, and learns more about, I don't know, the world and herself, she she develops or she shows emotions more so it's really interesting to see that. And the romances are really well done. I feel like they kind of increase in angst but in a good way like I don't like too much pointless angst at some point a fairly low point I usually just kind of say whatever I don't even care just like click 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 keep going but these ones were really well done and sometimes it's not really resolved some things are not resolved by the end so I have high hopes for a sequel or a fan disc and I encourage everyone to go get it when it comes out which they haven't announced the uh, timing Is, of yet did I hear Osmavia was coming out was Osmavia coming in yes so this was yeah is it was released a couple years in ago in English and uh no in okay, maybe it was getting Japan. animated, and it was kind of an indie. Like you know, there are big publishers in Japan, just like here, and there's smaller studios. Like I don't know if I would call them indie because they're still usually a team, but this was definitely not one of the major players. And it's uh, kind of the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> but also mashed up with fairy tales. And it's each group is a mafia. Hence family. the name Oz Mafia with an exclamation point. I think. <laughs> Oz Mafia. You liked that one, right? Yeah, it was really it was really interesting. It actually does feel a bit more indie in its writing and tone. It has a huge cast of characters. There's a very complicated diagram available on who you can actually develop a romance with, 
who you can be friends with. There's a there's a one of the main the heads of a family, uh, Puss in Boots. I don't know if that's her name, but she's a she's a female character, and you can get a friendship ending with her. I don't think it's a lesbian ending. It's not like there's sex in this game anyway, so it's, it would be platonic. It's really it sounds really crazy but when they when you play it they're all just kind of going about their business as if it's normal so it doesn't take you long to accept it as well uh, but there is an overarching story behind it so once you finish <laughs> all the routes you can then you kind of get this secret ending um, and that is coming out from manga gamer oh, which nice. is kind of weird because they do porn games yeah, no thank like you hentai out. games the, uh, the boys love uh, yeah, actually, they did no thank yous, too. Yeah, it's weird. So... A lot of these you can kind of get in English. I mean, like, some of them. Like, they're, I think they're testing the market in a lot of ways. Um, I've seen mm-hmm. some suspicious surveys floating around. Like, I should probably say, mm-hmm. maybe yeah. in the interest of full disclosure, like, a couple of years ago, I was talking to somebody at Idea Factory. They were, they were yeah. hanging out in one of these Ultimate Game forums asking about a Western audience. Because they were like, what should we bring over? They were thinking about... Some stuff. Yeah, they've been thinking Yeah, and time. so I was like, oh, I'm in the manga industry. Like, do you want to talk off of the forums and talk about, like, viability? Because I'm really interested in this market, blah, blah, blah. Because it was a guy who was trying to put together an argument, I think, for, like, the board of directors or something. This was, my God, mm. 2007, maybe. 2000, yeah, it was a long 2008. Time um, and obviously now Idea Factory does have a couple games in English. Because isn't Hakuoki Idea Factory? Yeah, Hakuoki's Idea Factory, and so is actually Sweet Fuse. <laughs> but they were, went through Correct, Axis yeah. Games. However, the next one, Idea Factory International, finally decided to put oh. out their own game, which is Amnesia. Oh, that's right. Amnesia's in English. Or coming in English, rather. It's it's coming in English. And Amnesia is... It was pretty big in Japan. There's an anime, um, isn't there? It, there is an anime. I have no idea if it's good. Yeah, they do. Usually so. But anyways. It's true. It's kind of... Well, it's another lost memory thing. So you wake up as a heroine and, and you've lost your memory and you're trying to figure out. And then there's these guys that come and they say, oh, I'm your boyfriend or something <laughs> I think I haven't played all the way through. Um, it's very the art is gorgeous. It has a really nice aesthetic. Um, it's kind of set kind of card suits, you know, diamonds, whatever. Each character has their own. It also appear, I think has some problematic di- relationship I'm dynamics. Sure it does. Most of these have. I mean, particularly since these are yeah. kind of like dating sims, whatever. There's always going to be one or two guys who are like at, at least one or two yeah. guys who are going to be like, don't get with that guy. But of course, you can get with that guy. Um, and also, mm-hmm. there's uh, at like. We're not going to talk about this now, but when it comes to, like, erotica and stuff, those are almost exclusively problematic. Like, they're really messed up. Um, the, yes. Some of the erotica stuff is just – there's inherent – kind of like anybody who follows boys love and is like, boys love's issue with rape. Like, it's very difficult to escape that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, great assault, but – yeah, it's it's a really exciting mm-hmm. time, and, and there was something that was floating around recently again, either in the Ultimate Fandom or something, where there was somebody who was putting out another survey out there about, like, if you were to re- play Ultimate games, what would you play? Like, I think they're still in the early stages of seeing what that market is. Hakuoki coming out mm-hmm. and doing pretty well, I think, was, was really important, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that it did. Um, and also these, mo- these mm-hmm. mobile games, the Voltage games, where it's like, um, the uh, what's that, Pirates in Love and the... There's a I million of those. Yeah, that was yeah. one of the first. Now there's yeah, now there's a million. Now they're making Western ones too. For me, I like the console games mostly because you can do more in music and mm-hmm. voices. I like, I enjoy the mobile games, but it's just not the same when there's no. They're voices. not as big usually, it, with the exception of Alice being ported. I think the Alice port to the mobile was basically the full game, which was pretty big. And like Jill mm-hmm. said, that was a big deal for her because she's like, oh, I get the full voices, and then 
like a full Ultimate game because usually you got to go to a console. And it used to be, you know, you have to go to the PC, but now they're all on the console. They're mostly handheld consoles. There aren't that many on, like, the PS... Well, okay, they were for a while, they were a lot on PS2. Yeah, for a while it was a lot of PS2, and then when it started being PS3, it's really expensive, I think, for the yeah. publisher or developer to do it. So there was a couple on PS3, but yeah. not very many. And they would often do, like, a PS3 and a yeah. PSP. PSP was huge. Now they're starting to slowly go over to the PSP. And is there, are, did the 3DS do they? I know DS did for a while. I mean, Hackwogi had a 3DS version. There's a couple that kind of re-released on 3DS, but not not original. There's, I think there actually might be one, but because 3DS is region locked, I oh, can't. Right. Play one. And it makes sense because like a lot of the Otome games were coming out on PS2, which that was also region locked. We we went and bought a Japanese PlayStation 2 so that we could play, mm-hmm. for example, Odon Hodon Otome game, which a lot of people don't know. Where you're basically how do we and you get to date all the boys Oran yeah Odom high school host club yeah and i was like um i need that like what <laughs> yeah there was also like a nana yep. game and i bought that that was kind of fun yeah. but it was hard and i have no idea how the romance was because i could never finish <laughs> there it was a skip beat um there was a i was like i need skip beat game uh, yeah. i need kyoko to run to kiss and i'll pay whatever money i need to in order to get them to kiss yeah and there was that um what's the ha- love, love complex com- yep. and possibly most importantly tokimeki girls side was on the playstation too now tokimeki <laughs> has to the yeah. ds these um, were and PSP. PSP, no. We're not going to go into Tokimeki Girl side because that's a podcast in itself. But very important <laughs> to make games, so they went place. They were PlayStation Two for a while, so it makes sense that it would have moved more to the PSP and Vita. But so there's a lot of exciting things happening in games. Not only you know there's Ultimate games, but there's also Western RPGs. There's strategy RPGs. Even sports has its developments. Yeah, for for lady good. gamers. I mean, but you all know that's the perspective we're yeah. coming from now. It's sparkler. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, like I don't really care about technical advances in terms of like, oh, the grass looks better <laughs> now. What I care about is characters and mm-hmm. stories. Um, yeah, we didn't we didn't ask for any questions on this, but if you're interested or if you want us to talk more... Yeah, clearly we could do a whole other podcast on games. So if people do have questions, maybe yeah. we could do another one at some point. Yeah, we might have special yeah. guests who couldn't come this time. We have a lot of friends that either work in the game industry or are just very involved. So they would be great on a podcast mm-hmm. like this. So there's a good chance we'll do more about video games in the future. So send us some <laughs> questions. Yes. Or- yeah, not only talking about games but even making games yeah <laughs> we've been we'll talk about that on another day but mm. yeah, sparklers gaming department does exist it's kind of back burner right now but we have them working on a couple games so we can talk about that too yeah so <laughs> next um, time yeah so thanks for listening everybody i hope you survived this long one <laughs> as mentioned at the beginning there's a short audio clip of our current audio drama cat lovers going on after this and Tell us what you liked and didn't like, or if you have questions in Twitter, Tumblr, even Facebook email. forum. Yep. Yeah. All right. Say goodbye, guys. Bye, Bye guys. My name is Misaki Tanabe. I'm three months into my first year of college, and so far, it's a lot like my life was at home. It's not like I don't have any friends. I've got tons of friends online. I'm even married in an online video game. That stuff is easy. It's just real life that's hard for me. Save me, internet. Oh, hey, my MMO buddy's online. Now be good, kitty. I don't know how you keep getting out. (sighs) No, you just got fed with tuna. What am I going to do if you don't eat your regular food, hmm? A great cat like myself will only accept the best. 
I'm afraid your lordship lives with a poor girl in her dorm room. What a disgrace! Whoops, hang on. Oh, an ultra-rare item drop. Cool! Okay, wait a sec. Opening chat window. Hello, partner! Did you see today's drop? I think that rare armor would look super cool on you. Yeah, let's get it tonight. I'm all equipped and... Uh, hey, are you coming? Oh, yeah, I'll be there in a minute. All right. Shoot, wait. Okay, okay. I need a minute to think. This is like a game, right? I just have to look at my stats and make a choice. College Life Plus. Please select your character. I'm sporty and fun. I'm a cool genius. I I really like cats. You chose Desperate Cat Lady. You are 20 years old with no life experience. Homeschooled for grades 7 through 12. You failed entrance exams twice before getting into college, but now you're there and ready to have a happy college life. Ready? Let's go! Stage 1, Cafeteria. Start! Hi. You're in my literature class, right? Uh... Don't talk. Walk away quickly. Hey, wait a sec. You fail. Try again? Stage one, outdoors. Start! Hey, that's a really cute bag. Do you like Isabel? Um... Yeah. Me too! She's my favorite character! Friendship, level up! Yes, I got this! Hey, do you want to join our gaming club? Huh? Uh, wait, I... It's really fun. You'll meet a ton of people. Look, hey guys, come over here and say hi. What was your name again? Um, wait, my name... Uh... Hey there, welcome to our school. Check it out. This is my friend, she's the VP and I'm the president, and we're doing a recruitment drive right now. What do you think? I have a feeling you'd really like our club. Uh... And this is the treasurer. Oh hey, I remember you. You guys met before? Yeah, in the cafeteria. I'm sorry, I, I don't think I got your name. Right, what is your name? Um... My name is Blathers. Huh? Oh, I get it. That's from Animal Crossing. Um, sorry, I really have to go. Hey, hold on. Aw, you totally scared her off, Senpai. <laughs> you were too pushy. You fail. Do I get to try again? No. Wait, but but I just started. What about my college life? I wanted to make friends and... Prepare to spend the rest of your life alone. Huh? Game over. No!